Welcome to Let's Jewels for a Minute, the podcast which took a deep dive into Steven Spielberg's 1975 masterpiece and is now setting sail into uncharted waters to discover the world beyond Jaws. I am Sarah Buddery. And I am MJ Smith. And this week, uh, to close out <clears throat> Spielberg season one um, with the film Hook, we have a guest who is also the co-host of my other podcast, Real Perspective, one of the other three co-hosts of my podcast, Real Perspective. Uh, Missy Lonsinger is here. Missy, welcome to Let's Jaws for a Minute. Hi, happy to be here. Yeah, uh, so this is your first time on the show, and so because it's your first time on the show, <clears throat> we're still technically Let's Jaws for a minute, so we have to ask you uh, the Jaws question. So uh, what is your personal uh, relationship like with Jaws? <laughs> How's your walk with Jaws? <laughs> uh, I, well, I already made the joke that I have my own Jaws for a Minute podcast, so we'll just we'll leave that in the unedited uh you, if you do a bonus feature, we can talk about my very stupid joke. But anyway, I do not um, love it as much as you guys. But I do love it a lot. It's great. But I feel like there are very few people who do love it as much as you guys. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> which which is probably fair because it takes all kinds. We can't have everybody loving Jaws um, to to your extent. I really do like it, though. Um, I remember Then the internet a... would be lousy with minute-by-minute minute podcasts. <laughs> yep. There we go. Jaws for 60 seconds. Um I remember My favorite Nicolas it... Cage movie. I'm so sorry. Uh... <laughs> no, it's okay. The, the thought occurred to me, but I couldn't uh, cleverly enough make Jaws into a pun of Gone in 60 seconds, so I just <clears throat> yeah. dropped it. Uh, but yeah, um, I do remember watching it as a kid and being terrified of it because it felt like we were always watching it while we were at the beach on vacation, which I think is cruel on my parents' part. <laughs> yeah, that's really me. <laughs> it, it, it is. <laughs> Uh, generational trauma. Um, but no, but I, I liked it. It was scary, but in like a fun way. There were certain things that scared me that I did not want to partake in or ever like engage with. But Jaws was always like, I looked forward to that being scared. Um, I think it's a great film, obviously. Uh, yeah, it's, it, I, <laughs> it feels weird answering this because I know you guys have talked about like every inch. Wait, what's the metric version of inch? Centimeter? Uh, Centimeter. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it took both of us. It took all three of us too long to come up with that answer. <laughs> yeah, my brain uh, couldn't get it in time. <laughs> every every centimeter, as it were, of Jaws. Um, so I, I don't feel like there's a lot I could contribute to the conversation as far as uh, what it brought to my life. But uh, it is just an excellent film um it's it's very solid and i don't mean mm -hmm. that in any kind of i i'm too afraid to say excellent or great kind of way it's just fully like a solid film everything about it is great the score is great um acting is great the way it's shot is incredible so yeah i just i really enjoy the film i i don't have any um special memories apart from being scared of it at the beach as a child but yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those like unfuckwithable movies, right? Like it's yeah, just, like, and it's one of those things that's like, oh, this is one of those movies that's like as good as people say it is. Like you, you know, if, you, sure. if if a if a person sees it for the first, we just had this on Real Perspective, right? We did our 
our Muppet Christmas Carol episode, and it was the first time I'd seen it. And right. I've always heard about how great it is. And then I watched it, and I was like, oh, yeah, no, this is, this is one of the greatest Christmas movies ever made. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it just is as good as people say it is. Yeah, it's like you really can't argue with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Casablanca's up there, too. I have a friend who just for sure. watched Casablanca for the first time, and he was like, man, I thought, you know, people were kind of, like, praising this movie because it's old, but, mm-hmm. like... It's a really good movie. And it's like, no, it's mm-hmm. is one of those movies that every time you watch it, you're just like, ah, this keeps getting better somehow. <laughs> like, it, yeah. just, it is one of the greatest movies ever made. Have you guys mm. met anybody that was like, straight up, I don't like Jaws? Or like, have you asked that Never. question to anyone whose answer was anything other than high praise? I mean, the kind of people that we have come in on as guests, I feel like the majority of them at least are like, yeah, I've seen Jaws. Um, no <laughs> yeah. one has... I'd, I don't think I've I've ever spoken to someone who is like, it sucks. There are people right. who are like, I've had people say it's overrated or like it's not as mm. good as people say. And I mean, incorrect, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't know if anyone really, if they say they hate Jaws, I don't think they really truly believe that. I think yeah. that they're yeah. being contrary. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's one of like, those, like, I don't like the Beatles type of takes to yeah. me, where it's just like, well, then you'd like, you, so you like every every style of music before 1963 and nothing after that, then. Like, yeah. it just, it's one of those <laughs> things where it's like, if even if you don't listen to the Beatles, you like the Beatles. If, like, if you've enjoyed music since the Beatles have been a thing, you like the Beatles. I don't care. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you like films, you like Jaws. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, that's kind. Of, I, I kind of think so. <laughs> if you're, if you're nerdy enough to come on a movie podcast, you like Jaws, I think. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not here to talk about Jaws. We're here to talk about Hook, <laughs> uh, oh, <no>. another <laughs> single word um, film <laughs> from Steven Spielberg. Uh, Hook. That's is a where film... the similarities end. Yeah, it is. Um, uh, I guess there's boats in both of them. Uh, kind of. And uh, we swapped out the gator for, uh, or the the shark for a gator. Uh, it's a crocodile, you pleb. Come on. Is it? Yes, is it it's a, croc- a crocodile. Okay. Yeah. All right. You let that slide last night when I was saying gator. Um, <laughs> I thought it. I thought it real hard. I was didn't say. I was saving it for the podcast. So Hook is a 1991 <laughs> movie uh, with starring Robin Williams as. Uh, Peter Banning, who is a grown-up Peter Pan, working a lawyer job doing corporate mergers and acquisitions to take over companies that are struggling. Um, And he is at odds with his children and his family in general. He's he's a workaholic, and he goes back to... uh, Is it London? Where where does he go back to? Yeah, London. Yeah, so he goes back Don't to London. Don't ask the American. I do not know <laughs> to to visit uh, Wendy, played by Maggie Smith, uh, because surprise, Peter Banning is actually Peter Pan, and uh, yeah. he knows Wendy from his trips out of Neverland into our world, and they grew up together, and he fell in love with Wendy's granddaughter. Right? She's the granddaughter, mm-hmm. not the daughter. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they go back and visit her. It's been 10 years. They're opening a children's hospital wing in her honor. But while they're at the gala, Captain Hook comes into our world and takes Peter's children away. And he has to go back to Neverland. And he has no memory of Neverland. He has no memory of ever being Peter Pan. Um, and he has to rediscover those memories 
and learn how to fly again and learn how to wear tights and sword fight while being <clears throat> fat shamed in the process and uh, <clears throat> save his children and come back to, to our world and be a better dad. Um, and it was nominated for five Oscars. This is news sure to me. And I lost all of them. For um, <laughs> best art direction, best costume design, best visual effects, best makeup, and best original song. Um, that's so Hook. You can't argue with those, though. I mean, even if you Oh, I'm going film. to. I absolutely. Oh, stop it. <laughs> the um, costumes are great. Hmm. One costume you're just is great that because you don't like the movie. One costume is great. You're you're being dumb. <laughs> Although I will say Beauty and the Beast winning over. I don't care for the song the little girl sings. Beauty and the Beast should have absolutely won. It would have been a tragedy if it hadn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. But anyway, let's the hear how you're wrong. Wasn't nominated. <laughs> yeah, that's score... insane to me. Yeah, the score wasn't nominated. That's wild. Hmm. Yeah, I will get into my thoughts because uh, we're going to get canceled. But Missy, what do you think of Hook? I love Hook. It is great. Um, I fully recognize that my nostalgia blinders are in full effect. Having rewatched it last night and I actually rewatched it back to back. And for some reason, the second viewing, I had much more cynical adult eyes. And I was like, oh, yeah, there is a lot of bullshit in this. It just doesn't make sense. And I was like messaging MJ many of the plot holes that I was seeing that I'm like, yeah, I remember as a child being confused by this. Um, but all, all of that aside, I really, really, really loved it as a kid. So whenever my sisters and I would stay at my grandma's house, um, we always watched Hook, like without fail. So at least like, once or twice a month, I was watching Hook and then waking up in the morning to like my grandma's cooking. So it's just very, very fond mm. memories um, of watching it as a kid. And I know Spielberg doesn't care for it, but for what it was at that time, and I know it wasn't directly geared just towards children, because obviously children are not going to be going to the box office and paying for their tickets. Like I, as a child, it totally hit every spot that I needed. And as I got older, the fact that like I didn't get a lot of the jokes as a kid, I started to get them with rewatches. I was like, oh man, this is great. It is clever. There was stuff for adults. Like uh, when Hook is trying to kill himself, like, and he's telling me like, don't try to stop me. Try to stop me. Try to stop me. Get like your ass over here and try to stop me. Like, I was laughing so hard at it when I first got that, like, as a teenager, and so the humor worked for me. The visual spectacle, I thought, was so amazing. I've just always really liked Peter Pan, so I really loved it. Captain Hook was so over the top that as a kid, I liked it because, you know, child logic of it's big and loud and bright, so it's it must be cool. But as an adult, and especially as somebody who's now studied acting and theater for my, you know, education, Dustin Hoffman is amazing in it, and I know that that's... Uh, a little controversial for some people because I know some people think Wait, he was really? too over the top. Yeah, I was reading some reviews and they're like, he's too foppish. That's like not how Hook is supposed to be. He's the best performance in the movie and it's not close. No, and he's and he's yeah. the best Captain Hook. And and the yeah. thing is, is he's like, so I, I love the, the story by J.M. Barry and Captain Hook is very scary. Like he's one of the most sinister uh, literary villain. Well, not one of the most, but he's he's a very, you know, sinister. He's up there as a very sinister literary villain. And, he, and he's scary. Like he's legitimately scary. This man who's OK with like murdering children. Um, and so Dustin Hoffman, in, in that way, I feel like he keeps some of that like scariness that's like mm-hmm. lurking under the surface but i love how over the top and just done with the idiots around him he is mm-hmm. like he's such it sounds weird he's such a realistic hook to me while also being dressed as this giant fop um he's just oh he's amazing uh, i i like robin williams in it a lot 
Um, I think he does a good job with what he has. I think the script leaves something to be desired, but I'm sure we will talk about a lot of these things. But yeah, just overall, I really enjoy it. I recognize there are a lot of plot holes, um, but I, I still enjoy watching it. They're, they're not enough to deter me from wanting to, to watch it and just feel good, have some nice childhood memories be brought back, and then just have fun watching a really great actor give a really stellar performance. So yeah. Mm. Uh, you want me to go, or do you want to go, Sarah? I can, I can go, I, I can go right. first. Uh, but I feel uh, uh, we'll we'll get cancelled together, MJ. It's been a <laughs> it's been a good run. Uh, yep. We've had a lovely time. Thanks everyone for sticking with us after Jaws. Uh, no, I will be your new we podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yes, because <laughs> I like hook. Look at me. I'm the podcast now. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's uh, let's hook for a minute. Is going to be the next. Uh... Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the next iteration yeah. of this of this podcast um okay thoughts i i don't have any of the childhood nostalgia connections to this film so i've always figured that that's been why i don't like it but i in watching it in preparation for this podcast i was like i know nostalgia is a very very powerful thing and i don't think that you can deny that nostalgia particularly with this film plays such a big role in why so many people love it and still love it mm-hmm. and that's fine i'm not saying that there is there is anything wrong with that because particularly like you're saying missy you've got this really strong memories of watching it and the association of that as well with family members and good and happy and warm times of your childhood and this film is something that is a part of that then it's completely understandable why you would still love this film or why other people would still love this film and i know that is the case with so many people Mm -hmm. but just because i didn't have that childhood love of this film i don't think that that shapes in any way what i think of this film now because i don't like this film (laughs) <laughs> and i i really tried so hard to like it i was like i'm gonna sit down uh got my my, my my film critic hat on i'm gonna find all the good things about it um and there were things i appreciated about it for sure thematically there's a lot of stuff that i really like in terms of what it says about family and fatherhood and mm. childhood and innocence and playfulness and all that sort of thing we'll get into all of that there's a lot of things that i do like about it thematically i just don't know if this story needed to be told through the lens of peter pan i feel like if spielberg wanted to channel a lot of his childhood uh, into a film he could have done that in a way that wasn't kind of just slapping that stuff onto a peter pan story you mean the fablements because... <laughs> i mean <laughs> Yes, I guess. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. And I love, I love the Disney Peter Pan. Sure. Um, so it's not that I don't like the story or the characters or anything like that. It's just this film is a mess, and it is so long. Uh, numerous times watching it. Uh, I watched it this morning at, at time of recording before we record this episode and I just I had to pause it a couple of times because you know dog needs to go out needed to get a snack all the usual stuff interruptions that happen and I was like how is there still 
an hour and 45 minutes left of this and then i had to stop it again later to you know go to the loo or something i was like how is there still 45 minutes of this film left and i did that probably like three or four times where no matter where it was that i was pausing it to do whatever i was like how is this film still happening nothing is happening i don't i don't understand i feel like there is a there is somewhere within this film there is a good film and i feel like that film is about an hour and 45 minutes long tops this film has no business being two hours and what two hours and twenty two it's two twenty one is it really yeah disgusting funny it clips along for me oh my god yeah completely (laughs) completely the opposite (laughs) i watched this you know i was like okay i'm gonna have to wake up early tomorrow i'm gonna have to like do my morning routine and then really get to it because I like, I was like, I'm going to be busy all night tomorrow night and I have to record. I don't want to wake up early and watch it and then immediately record, but I have to be at work at noon. Usually I have a half hour commute to my job. This yesterday I was working in town. So I had a four minute drive and it took me until I had to leave to finish the freaking movie. (laughs) Um, And I was like, I was really clock watching towards the end there. And I like, I paused it when I didn't pause it. I checked how much time I had left when he, recovers his memory like his happy memory of learning how to fly yep and Same. there's 40 <laughs> minutes left when that when that happens I was like, it doesn't what feel fu- like it to me i don't what know is why that is on. and like the yeah it just i okay i'll rip the band-aid off this movie sucks ass i don't like this movie um there's <laughs> false you're wrong there's some good stuff. I will give it that. It's not 1941 bad, although but that bar is in hell. So what, like, it doesn't, that doesn't really mean anything. Um, but it, I don't know. There's one good performance. There's two good performances. So there's Dustin Hoffman's incredible in this. Incredible. No notes. Mm-hmm. He totally Agreed. understood the assignment. He's amazing in this movie. So Bob Hoskins, also great. Yeah. Everyone else. I don't know what the hell is happening. I don't know Again, what's going on. I think you're discounting Phil Collins as the constable. Um, <laughs> constable my favorite. And David Glenn Crosby. Close. Um, <laughs> and Gwyneth Paltrow for seven seconds. I also think that this is, there's a good movie in here. And it's the movie that it actually keeps threatening to be and then never commits to being. And that is a musical. If this movie was a musical, I think I would like it 50% more than I do. Because it mm-hmm. keeps doing these setups that you're like, and a musical number is going to ha- Oh, no, I guess not. We're just going to talk some more and nothing's going to happen. Also, because it has such heavy themes, but it's aimed at a child audience, I think a musical really can convey a lot of that stuff a lot cleaner than whatever he's trying to do, which is just people talking. And I can mm-hmm. prove that. Because Beauty and the Beast got nominated for Best Picture this year, um, mm. <laughs> which is which is an animated movie about some pretty adult themes. That's a musical, and it's like an hour and twenty something minutes, isn't it? Like it's not a long movie at all. Well, but I was a child when I watched it, and I mean, mm-hmm. like, granted, I didn't get all the jokes that were aimed at adults but like the themes were not lost on me i mean to my knowledge granted Mm -hmm. i i'm only speaking with my 33 year old experience but it's like i i feel like i understood it It didn't bore me it definitely didn't bore me and i think it's because the color spectacle definitely did play into Mm -hmm. it and i think Mm -hmm. um i was reading an interview with spielberg where he was saying the more colorful the sets got the less he felt like he knew what he was doing yeah like he had no control (laughs) over the film 
Um, mm-hmm. But as a kid, I mean, that worked. And we, we talked about it on our other podcast with the Muppets, how they can be kind of a, a disarming tool to like convey stronger themes because they're so fun. So for me, it was it was like the spectacle of it was so bright and beautiful and and just like really lovely to watch that I was like, oh, Peter Pan's like even as a kid, Peter Pan's sad, Peter Pan uh-huh. bad dad, and then now he's good dad. So because I was a monosyllabic child, um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Like I I feel like the themes made sense as a kid. Hmm. I think it's I mean not the comparison that I thought I was gonna make on this podcast, but weird Mm-mm. kind of tonal shifts that reminded me of the color purple i mean mm. obviously mm-hmm. yeah. very, <laughs> very different yeah <laughs> very very different <laughs> films um but in terms of like the, the the major problem that we had with the color purple was that the really the heaviness of the themes didn't marry with the sort of like weird Spielbergy kind of light touches mm-hmm. um, just didn't know how to sort of mash those things together and I think it 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 works better here just because there is I just think it's because there's so much more of everything it's just like more themes more emotion uh, more chaos more kids running around more people falling over and swinging around on things and everything just feels like so much <laughs> bigger and louder and a larger of a movie obviously than than what the color purple is which is quite sort of focused on one person and and her life and and the sort of the the couple of people around her whereas this is a big kind of ensemble um film but just that i don't know i just found myself getting quite frustrated by all the really obviously aimed at children bits yeah i just felt like with the because thematically a lot of it worked so well for me even though it is quite heavy-handed mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> i think uh this is spielberg at his most spielbergy i feel for better and um, for worse for sure right yeah 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 <clears throat> absolutely like the really really making sure that you've you've got those themes like the all subtlety all the subtlety yeah. that we loved about spielberg's film, films prior to this out of the window yeah. no pun intended well um he he says <laughs> he i mean he he takes kind of responsibility for it like missy you brought up that interview where he said uh the the more colorful the the, the sets got the um the less control he felt like he had. He also said that like, yeah. he had no imagination for Neverland outside of like, paint those trees red and blue. Right. Um, and, <laughs> but he also said that he kind of like, didn't really believe in the script all that much, except for right. the first act and the epilogue. And ye- I can feel yeah. that. And I that can totally sense. feel because the first act is actually really fucking good. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the epilogue's pretty good too. But you can feel him phoning in the entirety of the Neverland. Like, it feels like he's just like, oh, yeah, Spielberg spectacle. Got it. Like, it, honestly, it feels like he called in <laughs> Spielbergo to direct the, the Neverland <laughs> stuff um, and went and developed Schindler's List in uh, Jurassic Park instead. Mm. <laughs> no, that I see. And I agree with you guys. And that's the thing. Like, I, I love the movie, but what you're saying is like, not wrong. <laughs> I mean, I, I disagree <laughs> that it sucks ass, but no, it's, um, I mean, I don't know if it's the script or him or what, but like the amount of 
plot holes like that occur when they're in Neverland. Like I was uh, messaging MJ about some of them. Like I I don't know why he randomly gets and why Peter randomly gets amnesia and also arrested development to the point that he thinks he's ten again. And his happy yeah. thought is that he has children. That's what lets him fly. Then he immediately forgets it that he has children, but continues to fly and then remembers again. And it's there's no rhyme or reason for why people remember or forget things there, ever. Um, it's so which is a big important thing because that's like his whole core memory that allows him to but it's like yeah i don't know why the sun you know sometimes forgets and I, I suppose it's like asking a lot of the audience to try to connect a lot of different dots to explore psychologically why people forget or remember things when they're in neverland because it's never very clear or consistent so i i agree but the beginning is great i mean it's mm-hmm. it's really if the whole movie had just been him being a shitty dad and going through like it's a wonderful life or, or christmas carol type change I would have kind of been there for it just to see yeah. Peter Pan in the real world mm. having to go through that. Um, that being said, I, I obviously love the spectacle of, of Neverland, but I agree with you guys that the storytelling and the focus definitely uh, eases up is a polite way, I guess, to say that once they hit Neverland. Mm. Yeah. 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 It leans very heavily onto the spectacle, making like cover, like basically covering up a lot of the cracks in the script once they get to Neverland. Yeah. I wish the film was the film that you just sort of suggested, Missy, which is uh, Peter Pan, like, in the real world, having Mm -hmm. to remember who he is and why he should be present and be there for his children. Because I was surprisingly invested in the first first bit of the film. It's the best best looking stuff in the movie, too. Yeah, and I... I liked the the whole dynamic of the family. I like the woman who just randomly screams at them when they walk in the house. Like yeah. all of that stuff was kind oh, of fun. She's great. <laughs> the 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 sort of the world building. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm surprisingly on board with this. And then uh, as soon as they get to Neverland, I was just like. I don't know, guys. I, I feel like I'm just... I could feel myself just checking out of it. And I, mm-hmm. I messaged you, MJ, and I was just like, never has a film looked more like it was filmed on a studio set yeah. than <laughs> this film. Like, I can I can practically smell the paint on the trees. And I... <laughs> Yeah, I you can. It feel... feels like it feels like one wrong move from the camera, and you're gonna see the support beams holding up the walls, like that don't yeah. actually lead to anywhere. With bubblegum. Yeah, if case. you're yeah. if you're trying to convince me that Neverland is a real place, I'm not convinced. Which is why <laughs> it should have been a musical. Because I guarantee you, if this was a musical, you wouldn't you would not be making that point right now. No, because so many. I mean that the random kind of like ballet bit they chuck into the middle of singing in the rain and actually mm-hmm. just a lot of singing in the rain i know <laughs> <Yeah>. this <sets. laughs> yeah <laughs> do i care absolutely not uh right. because of the kind of kind of film that it is obviously it's about making, making films but yeah. the i yeah i had that as well because it had been such a long time since i'd seen it the i was like is this a is this a musical have i misremembered this film because I was like, if there are songs in this, I feel like I might enjoy it. Yeah, I, I know. Like, I, did the I like same musicals. Thing. So. I did the same thing. When they start doing the hook chant in Neverland, I was like, oh, hold up. If there's yeah. a musical number here, I'm kind of on board. Like, I really want it to be a musical. And the closest we get is the fat shaming training montage song. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, the little girl has one. <laughs> the kids in the play sing a song. But yeah, so, I mean, there are a few. But yeah, um, I think I agree with you guys when you first said that, MJ, like, 
weirdly I was like no it couldn't be a musical but I think that's just like my protective (laughs) nature of the film (laughs) um but like thinking about it like I mean so musicals in particular as a as a theater major obviously I love musicals and I love that they're so like heightened um Mm -hmm. I remember having a professor once who was talking about how people will um criticize musicals because nobody in real life just stops and starts singing about how they're feeling criticism that's so lazy it's so lazy lazy. like you have to meet the genre halfway like exactly yeah and it's it's a lot of times like i mean it's like what shakespeare would do with like soliloquies it's like what we're feeling but we can't do obviously we don't have choreographed dance partners walking down the street but what musical theater like uh characters are singing about are things that we're feeling it's like they're overcome they're so beclempt uh with emotion that they can't do anything but start singing and just physically, you know, involving their whole bodies in it. And so I think, uh, like, I'm agreeing with you guys because I think uh, Hook could have lent itself to that because it was so over the top in so many ways, but it tried to keep, like, some deathly serious themes in it, and it just didn't Mm. mesh. Like, it was oil and water, like, just kind of hitting each other. It's like, ooh, this is fun and silly, and, like, you should be, like, a musical, distracted by the spectacle, but... Like, this man is a horrible father and has a lot of trauma from his childhood that well, he has clearly pushed down. Yeah. The other mm-hmm. thing, too, is Spielberg has also noted that, in particular, Julia Roberts, but all three oh. kind of leads were really difficult to work with. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Well, so Julia Roberts was sort of extenuating circumstances, although, like, right. she, yeah, that's not an excuse to kind of behave how she rumored to behave, allegedly behave. Um, right. Mm. So she was apparently going through a very toxic breakup with Kiefer Sutherland where they both cheated on each other days before they were supposed to get married. Um, Oh, no. (laughs) And uh, it earned her the nickname Tinker Hell on set. Sure Um, (laughs) But then, like, I was thinking about it and I was like, well, Dustin Hoffman is notoriously difficult to work with because he's method. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he's one of the... The, he cut the, off his hand and had a real hook. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, uh, you know, there's the, is it Peter O'Toole or Laurence Olivier who looked at him on Marathon Man? Laurence Olivier. Laurence Olivier, yeah. And yeah. he, because he was like, yeah, you know, I'm being tortured in the scene. So I stayed up for the last three days and I haven't been <laughs> drinking water. And Laurence Olivier was just like, have you tried acting? <laughs> Which is a fucking A plus comeback. Um <laughs> Sick, but I feel like that yeah. could be extended to Julia Roberts too, though, because it's like I gotta hate this place as an actor because I'm not. I mean, I I do it for the love of the craft, but, but it's like everybody has bad days as an artist. I mean, even right. within any career, whether you're an artist or not, and sometimes you know what, you just have to fucking suck it up and like put mm-hmm. on your big girl boy whatever pants yeah. and and just do it. And so especially when you're getting paid freaking millions of dollars to do yeah. a film. It's like, yes, I am sorry that you are going through some horrible shit, but, like, why did that make you now the most wooden actress in the world? Oh, she's like, awful in this she's movie. Horrible. She's so bad Dreadful. in it. And then she's... Robin Williams, he improvs all the time, and I don't think Spielberg runs a loosey-goosey set like no. that. So I could see <laughs> no, I... how all three of those personalities would uh, would clash with the way Spielberg makes a movie. Yeah. I, I don't dislike his performance. Um, He's not I think... terrible, but it's not one of his best either. See, and I also don't think it's him. I feel like it's he's really reined in by the script yes, and a yes, stricter yeah. adherence to the script, but I don't I don't put that on him. Because no, I no. Think, like I still think he's very funny and he's very charming and I he plays the notes that he's given while it's just he's not given spectacular notes. Yeah, I mean he's mm. he's charismatic as hell, right? Like he's just he's so easy to watch it just do just about anything. Like he's just a compelling performer because he's very 
I, he, I mean, you know, sadly, the thing that caught up with him too, but there's a sadness in his eyes. There always has been. Like there's, yeah. you know, he's, he's the sad clown. He's the epitome of the sad clown in particular. Absolutely. Like I said, given the way his life came to an end, unfortunately, like it very much, but it very much plays into what that is. And so he's the perfect casting choice for like grown up Peter Pan who has lost that childlike wonder but it's yeah. still hidden somewhere behind his eyes and then when he can turn it on it's full blown mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i get why he was chosen like it's perfect casting for what the character is supposed to be but i think he is so like quick and smart and he just his best work is when you just turn a camera on him and be like and then robin does stuff and mm -hmm. i don't think spielberg is the type of director who's like and then robin does stuff when I feel like yeah. they could have, if they had leaned into that, that could have fixed my, uh, I mean, my personal issue with the weird amnesia thing. Because, like, when he is having the, like, verbal battle with Rufio at dinner, like, I, even as a kid, I thought that was funny. I didn't know what a nearsighted gynecologist was, but as an adult, I was like, that's fucking hilarious. Yeah, like, that's, if, that, that part is the only part where you can tell Spielberg let him turn loose. Right, and I feel yeah. like if they, if him rediscovering who he was had brought back that kind of childlike joie de vie, like, and, and mm -hmm. just playfulness and funniness and just, like, who Robin Williams seemed to be or presented mm -hmm. himself to be, that would have conveyed the exact same thing without him having to act like a fucking 10-year-old, which, I mean, he did his damnedest, but it still, it was just, it was weird and off-putting to, like, see him, like, tapping and, and, like, talking like a little boy, especially when he's talking to Tinkerbell in her little house. Like, just let him be mm. Robin Williams, and it would have conveyed the exact same thing in a much better way. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised by how not Robin Williams-y his performance was in this. Yeah. And I, mm -hmm. I mean, I think that he does very good work in the beginning as sort of like being this buttoned-up lawyer mm -hmm. guy who, you know, is just absolutely convinced that, of course, these are not pirates and you know keeps telling everyone that he's a lawyer and there's some kind of there's some funniness there that comes from him sort of playing against type because i think you're used to sort of seeing him as this um very outgoing character or playing this sort of very outgoing person with lots and lots of energy and mm -hmm. um sort of very like rapid dialogue and that sort of thing just seems to be a lot of particularly in the 90s a lot of the characters that that robin williams was playing so not being that i i i liked but yeah i didn't i don't know if it's just my problems with what they were kind of the inconsistencies with the character but it it doesn't it, it i can't even explain like you're, you're so right because he is the perfect person for <laughs> this character when you sort of on paper like when you sit down and think about it who would you have play a grown-up Peter Pan who has still got that childlike spark in him. Robin Williams is mm -hmm. the obvious choice for mm -hmm. that. But then not letting him be Robin Williams is kind of where things don't necessarily work as well as they could have done. But also, I think if you had just let him be full Robin Williams, I don't think that would have worked with the film in the way that it is. So, mm. so one of those things needed to change and I don't know what it <laughs> what it is or what it would look like or how they would make that happen but it's it weirdly just works so well on paper but then just doesn't work in just doesn't work in reality and I was like I was really expecting to like his performance a lot more in this it, it pains me to say because I love Robin Williams so much mm -hmm. and Mrs Doubtfire is one of my all-time favorite films so good uh, <laughs> 
I love that film so, so much. And like a big, big part of my childhood is Robin sure. Williams films, just not this one. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, when he just wasn't, it just didn't seem to be kind of the Robin Williams that I know. I was like, oh, that's, you know, I don't know. I'm a bit Aww. disappointed. <laughs> um, so I have a question that just kind of occurred to me while we're camping out on the childlike wonder thing, but as an adult, because this is the first time we've really explored that with Spielberg, right? Like most of mm. the childlike wonder stuff he's done has been from the perspective of a child. This is about a child who grew sure. up and now is regaining that. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. not as good. <laughs> um, but <laughs> do you think that this movie kind of as is a little bit, like not without, like not as is, as is like in the final edit, two and a half hours or whatever, but you know, not shifting genre entirely into a musical or anything, but I kind of feel like this is a movie that Zemeckis was supposed to make and Spielberg made it instead. Like it mm. wasn't, he wasn't attached to it or anything, but it feels more Zemeckis-y than it does Spielberg-y. And I, it's, mm. it's a fine line, but it's a clear line too, because I don't think Back to the Future would be as good if Spielberg had made it. Like, it feels like Zemeckis is the only one of those guys who could have made it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think I agree with that. I didn't, like, it, it. I might be misremembering this. Didn't Spielberg, like, pass on the script at first? Like, wasn't it brought to him, and then he passed on it, and then took it? I'm not sure. He also can Ah! Ha! I'm on the I'm what? on the Wikipedia page. Yeah, in the early '80s, Spielberg began to develop a film with Walt Disney um, uh, uh, that followed the story of the 1924 silent film and the 1953 animated film. He also considered directing it as a musical with Michael Jackson in the lead. <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. Oh my lord. <laughs> Oh my god, that's gonna be what I'm thinking about tonight when I can't sleep. Is just a nightmarish Michael Jackson musical Peter Pan thing. Yep. God. Although I could totally understand how in the early 1980s you would consider directing a musical Peter Pan with Michael Jackson in the lead, but like, that does yeah. not surprise me. Mm. Um, but also, uh, oh wow, okay. So Paramount took it over. Um, Hoffman was already cast as Captain Hook. Sorry, this is the part where MJ reads Wikipedia. Uh, pre-production began in 1985. Um, oh, so Spielberg dropped out in 1985 because he wanted to focus on being a kid. So he was doing... So they were... Yeah, he he originally committed to it um, and then dropped out mm-hmm. and then made... Uh, considered directing big and then he made empire of the sun but then when it was it looks like when it was reworked into peter pan as an adult working in middle management or i guess working as a lawyer like when it morphed into that hook or pun Mm -hmm. not intended that hook of peter pan's in the real world and he's grown up and forgotten about pan he came back to it um but his original choice was Tom Hanks to play grown-up Peter Pan. Interesting. Could you imagine Tom Hanks and Peter Pan tights? <laughs> no, I don't want to. Yep. Also, <laughs> no offense to Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, Bowie, Christopher Lloyd, and Donald Sutherland were considered for Captain Hook. I could oh. see Donald Sutherland. I to could be absolutely honest. see Donald Sutherland 
Bowie Captain Hook is j- it's just Jareth. Jareth. It's yeah. just yeah. Jareth. <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah, huh. I, I I mean uh, I haven't really said about Dustin Hoffman yet, but I think he is the best thing about this film. So oh, it's hey, hard yeah. to think about. There are other people who could play Hook, but I when you're sort of saying those names there, I'm like, I don't know if they would be if they would be no, as amazing, good as this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as a as a, a a big fan of Hook in the Disney uh, animated one, it feels like the same Hook yeah. to me. This kind of a pretty camp, uh, sort of over the top, mm-hmm. foppish guy, and it that really works for the character, and it also works that Dustin Hoffman is playing it so seriously. I mean, yeah, we've he's <laughs> we've spoken. He's committed to that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's very, I mean, we've spoken a lot about Muppet Christmas Carol, but uh, it's very like Michael Caine in that, mm-hmm. 100%. <laughs> in that film. I was thinking the exact same thing. Like, I was like, I know this is going to be weird to bring up because Missy's on the real perspective when we just talked about it, but I had that exact performance in the back of my head the entire time I was watching I the same thing. Yeah. Like, uh, I gotta, let me find the, uh, the meme that I sent, but it's, this is very much what I was thinking with like Dustin Hoffman as well in this it's just like all right so it's kids film you know or sort of aimed at kids like Peter Pan you know have fun whatever and he's like (laughs) I'm gonna fucking be a pirate and no one can stop me I love it (laughs) yeah yeah he's so good in this and like he's so creepy to the kids like it's really uncomfortable and I love it Mm -hmm. it's the thing that, like, so I, I mentioned how I had read some reviews that didn't like it. One of them was, like, because he's so over the top, they specifically cited his murdering of Rufio as being surprising. I'm like, not if you're fucking watching no. the movie, you dope. Mm. Like, he's, <laughs> he's like, he, he's such a sinister man the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like, and again, it's it feels, I like that you compared him to the cartoon one, Sarah, because, like, it really does feel like if the cartoon was an actual human who had to deal with mm-hmm. idiotic pirates mm-hmm. who's trapped in this world where he's surrounded by children and idiots, like he yeah. he is all of us. If well, except not murdering, but like the <laughs> the frustration and just like I like the sarcasm and all of it is so good. It's like he clearly hates everyone and hates being there. And I don't know, like his killing of Rufio. I always liked that moment as a kid, and I loved Rufio, but I it, I found it very touching as a kid. It's good. Mm. Uh, I like that they commit to it too. Like he's dead when the credits roll. Like yeah, we, you know, there's no like surprise, guys. I'm alive. You know, I was just mm-hmm. not badly. Mm-hmm. Like he's dead. He died. Um, and I was. It was that part I really liked because I was like, it's so refreshing to watch something that watch anything that commits to something like that, let alone a kids movie that commits to something like that. Yeah, yeah. You love it when the kid dies. Got it. <laughs> Uh, I will say Dante Basco, also a good performance in the movie. He is clearly I, having there fun. There are more than two. You were being, I meant to say that earlier. Because I think, okay, <laughs> I hate children actors. I just, I don't like them. They're usually written way too precocious and they're allowed to be way too precocious and it's obnoxious and stupid. I really liked the boy who played his son. I really, I yeah, I his performance, I don't know what choices I would have made differently as a child actor or as an adult actor. Like, and because he's a little kid, and, and the little girl's cute, and she does what she needs to be, or do, which is being cute, but I, the kid has a lot of heavy lifting to do for a young actor, and I think he does it really well. Like, he plays layers um, mm-hmm. with his relationship with his dad and with Hook, and 
So I, I thought his performance was really good too. Dante Basco obviously is is great too. Rufio is iconic. Yeah. No, I think you're right. The the kid who plays Jack, he's pretty he's pretty good. He I yeah. almost I kind of wanted I I was kinda of like, why uh didn't Spielberg work with this kid more? I know he doesn't really rework with kid actors, but I was like I feel like he would have been great in Jurassic Park. And it turns out that the kid from Jurassic Park auditioned for this and didn't get it because he was too young. And then they cast him two years later in Jurassic Park. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I think that worked out for the better. They, they both fit their roles where they need yeah. to be. Yeah. I, there's a lot of fucking kids in this film. So <laughs> <laughs> some of them, I was like, I don't, they didn't really have a lot to do apart from just like yell bangerang and stuff so yeah. uh, <laughs> no strong no strong feelings either way but i thought the i thought the son's i don't know the actor's name that's terrible but i thought that he was good and as you said like had Charlie a Corzo. little okay there we go had a little <laughs> bit more to do than some of the other kids in the film the sort of like mm-hmm. emotional arc or sort of like the connection between him and his dad like i i i bought into it enough even though it is super on the nose mm-hmm. uh i found myself cringing at a lot of the dialogue i don't know mm. if that's a shared feeling but there were so <laughs> yeah. many bits where i was just like god this is what this is the film that people watch and then just think that spielberg is this like really over the top schmaltzy guy right because it's like steven spielberg on um fucking i don't know what but <laughs> i i have the exact analogy because i came to this conclusion during the movie it's like if spielberg directed a movie for that was only supposed to air on nickelodeon <laughs> yeah that makes sense <laughs> it's got a real nickelodeon sensibility to it to me mm, i was gonna say it's like a like a spielberg bot analyzed every spielberg film <laughs> And just pumped out an automatic Spielberg film is what this film feels like. Spielberg-o-matic. Yes, Spielberg-o-matic. You you press the button on that, and instead of a little red carpet coming down the stairs, uh, this script comes out. That's yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, it's it's Senior Spielbergo is is who directed the middle part of this movie. Oh goodness. Mm. (laughs) Have you gotten that far in your Simpsons watch? Sarah? Who are you talking to? Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, maybe. What, what? I don't know. How far uh, into it is it? <laughs> it's um. Uh, what's the name of the episode? It's the one where Mr. Burns hires a director to direct a short film. A Star Is Burns is the name of the episode. Cute. Okay. And I so they feel hire. Like that's they they, quite a new one. they hire <laughs> Steven. They tell him they hire Steven Spielberg, but it's just a Mexican guy named Senior Spielbergo. <laughs> Oh, Uh, Oh, season six. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know what episode it's in. Season six, episode 18, apparently. Okay. I would have seen that one then because that's good Simpsons still. So, yeah. (laughs) So, Senior Spielbergo directed the middle part of. I have a question, MJ, because you said you didn't agree with the Oscar noms. You didn't think the costumes were worthy of a nomination? I think the Hook costume kicks ass. <laughs> the Hook costume is awesome. That's one of my favorite movie costumes, full stop, I think. Oh, it's wonderful. Everything yeah. else looks like they got it at Party City. What? No, I love the Lost Boys in particular. I really like theirs. Like, I like the 
the angle that they took with it. I mean, the pirates, yeah, are pretty generic. And then that mm. was another thing I did point out to MJ is that Shmi is wearing a bandana with screen printed skull and crossbones on it. Not like stitched in <laughs> as would be appropriate, but just like a screen printed one that they got from like a gas station. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I disagree with you guys on it. I don't think that's nostalgia blinders. I actually do like the costumes and I really like the Lost Boys costumes. Rufio is very cool looking. I think Rufio's hair just, does a lot of heavy lifting on that, though. Yeah. <laughs> it just felt very wiggy. And I know that's mm-hmm. obviously, mm-hmm. I mean, Captain Hook, the wig is obviously a thing. And mm-hmm. we see it get taken off at the end. But I don't know, everything just felt very like, this is a costume. Like, all of the sets <laughs> felt like, this is a set. Like, yeah. all caps, set. Uh, that's... It just took... It took me out of it a lot. I don't know. I it should have been a musical then i could have bought into this <laughs> fakeness like so much more because i feel like everything is just so much heightened mm-hmm. in that in that genre so it would be fine if the costumes looked like the costumes from the stage play at the beginning or the sets looked like sets like that kind of thing would work for me but it didn't it didn't feel like they were deliberately leaning into that like making it look a bit sort of you know, because you see the play at the beginning, so I'm like, oh, okay, mate, are they? Is this a decision they've made on purpose to kind of make the costumes not that good? I, <laughs> uh, I just, yeah. The, apart from the Captain Hook one, obviously, which is incredible. The moustache, in particular, oh yeah, deserved a supporting and the actor. Oh, the me. eyebrows, yeah. yeah. <laughs> The teeth as well. He looks like a little mm. rat man. I <laughs> he it. does. He's so perfect. <laughs> he's so good at this movie. He's he's the best part of the movie, I think, hands down. Like no, like I said, 100%. no notes to Dustin Hoffman. He's his hook voice is great too. Like it's this. Oh, it's wonderful. It's, it's such a perfect blend of like what Dustin Hoffman would sound like as a pirate. Like I know that sounds stupid because <laughs> mm-hmm. he is Dustin Hoffman as a pirate, but like it feels like he was like, okay, I'm gonna lean into like some very specific Dustin Hoffman touchstones while also being a pirate Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well okay so i mentioned earlier how like if the film had just been peter pan in the real world that would have been you know a good film on its own but then obviously we would have missed out on dustin hoffman Mm -hmm. so like also the film is called hook yeah yeah, uh, yeah. and it's not about hook so like why couldn't that have just been a movie just show this like angry frustrated captain hook with dustin hoffman playing him and and make that a movie or a musical on its own why, yeah. why bring in the other shit? No, I think that's a good point. I think the other thing, too, is, like, I want to give a shout-out to this scene in particular. It's the best scene in the movie. And once again, I don't think it's close. When they come home to the ransacked house, it's mm-hmm. so good. It's a horror movie. It turns into a horror movie, <laughs> and it's awesome. Uh, but what it does is it sets up how menacing Hook is. Like, mm-hmm. how truly mm-hmm. evil he... I don't understand how you could see him as anything other than someone who would kill Rufio based on that one scene alone. Like the, right. the hook line in the, in the uh, wall heading all the way up the stairs. Oh, it's so creepy and cool. And that's and because. And he left a fucking note. Yeah. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. sword, like he left a whole sword. <laughs> like yep. it wasn't, he didn't just tack it. He left a freaking saber. Like. It was a formal fuck you. Yeah. I have your kids and I'm going to kill them. But this movie was shot by Dean Cundy who shot The Thing, Halloween 2, Escape from New York, The Fog, Psycho 2, Halloween 3, Back to the Future, Big Trouble in Little China, uh, Romancing the Stone, Back to the Future 2, and Back to the Future 3. And he, this is his oh, first shit. 
Uh, this was his first movie with Spielberg. And I don't think it looks that good except for this one scene. This one scene looks amazing. And it's because he got his start in horror. Um, mm. And he shot Jurassic Park. And Jurassic Park looks amazing. So I don't know what yeah. happened. Oh, Sarah, he also shot your yeah. favorite movie, Krippendorf's Tribe. <laughs> <laughs> what? Clarification, not a good film. Absolutely <laughs> hate it. Did you watch it for your article? Oh, I sure did. Uh, very problematic, to say the least, uh, <laughs> Richard Dreyfuss film <laughs> that I would not recommend to my worst enemy. Um, oh, God, he's I hate that film. Well. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that that makes uh, this sort of horror thing makes a lot of mm-hmm. sense, more sense than it should do, considering we're talking about Hook. Did the same? I don't want to sound like I'm being shady, but also I kind of am. Did he? Was did he do the whole film? Because the Neverland stuff doesn't look anywhere near as good as. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. He's the only credited cinematographer, so. Oh, okay, wow. let's the, assume the visual he... tone is striking, or the tone shift is striking. <laughs> yes, yes, very <laughs> much so. Because <laughs> there were some shots like early on in this film, and I was like, "Son of a bitch, he's done it again!" Like yeah, uh-huh. this film d- doesn't look like garbage. Like when. Uh, when Robin Williams takes the the call and his like you see like the sun but just the shadow kind mm-hmm. of looming over him, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's a fucking great shot. Yep. And that's yep. like a a very horror-y kind of shot as well. Says the person who doesn't watch horror, but that scene also calls to mind like Peter's shadow, right? Like, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And and, it... and the way he stands as well with the hands mm-hmm. on the hips. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's yeah. great. And then later on in that same scene, after he yells at the kids. Uh, which one also believable asshole dad move. Like he's really good oh, in that yeah. scene. And mm-hmm. then the, you know, uh, Mora is her name Mora or Moira? Because they told, they use her name both ways in the movie. It's spelled Moira. Moira like we would say Moira or Moira, but it could just be an accent thing that it sounds okay. different when different people say it. Got it. Anyway, when she's tearing into him about what just happened and he's still like not there, he's thinking about the, you know, the, the owl mating radius or whatever. And there's this shot where the phone is on the bed. It's very similar to the shot I talked about last week in last crusade, where it's sort of three layers to the shot. The shot, the, the phone is on the bed in the foreground. Robin Williams is in the mid ground being shot profile. And then Moira's behind him kind of looming over him, basically letting him have it for what just happened. Mm -hmm. And, I was just like, same thing. Like, just like, oh my God, it looks so good. And then we get to Neverland and I was like, this looks like t- trash. Like, it looks so bad. <laughs> um, which brings me to something that you brought up in our DMs last night, Missy. Uh, so you like the confrontation with Hook? Yes. Okay. I don't <laughs> at all. <laughs> right. Um, I think what? It, I, Shocker. I, I, yeah, I think it's terrible. I think it's the worst action sequence Spielberg's ever done, maybe. I wouldn't disagree mm-hmm. with that, but I still like it. But he's also just done some really great action or films that lend themselves more to action, mm-hmm. which I guess this should have. But OK, can, can carry on, though. I just think it's a lot. <laughs> it's it's just not that interesting looking. There's one great shot towards the end when they're driving him off the boat into the town square where the gator eats him, which we'll talk about because that doesn't make a, make a fucking sense. Anyway, so um, 
when they're driving him out, there's this over-the-shoulder shot of Hook dueling with Peter, and Peter's got, like, he's dueling with Peter, and Peter's, you know, parrying his sword or whatever, and he's got all the Lost Boys trailing behind him. That shot's mm -hmm. really cool, and it's this, this like, dolly, this over-the-shoulder Spielberg one-shot thing. But mm -hmm. other than that, like, I just couldn't... I couldn't put together what he was going for with that duel in particular. Like it just, if he was trying to do a 1930s, like Errol Flynn, Douglas Fairbanks sort of type of deal, it did not come across. Or maybe I assumed that's what he would do. And then he didn't do that. And I was confused. Mm. Um, it mm. could, I think mm -hmm. I suspect it's the latter where like, it's just like, Oh, okay. I know what this is. Like, this is going to be a, Errol Flynn, Douglas Fairbanks sort of sword fight. And then it's not that. And it's like, well, that doesn't make sense because Spielberg just rips off all the best movies that do stuff like this. So why didn't he do it here? You bit into a pear and you thought it was going to be an apple and you didn't like it. You found it off-putting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it could, it could be that. It could 100% be that. <laughs> and that's a me problem. Yeah, it's, well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, as you were saying, like, oh, is it going to be, like, a 1930s, whatever? It's like, no, it's a 1991 Spielberg. Like, I don't know, it it, it makes sense to me, but I wasn't, I guess, looking for anything in particular other than a, a confrontation that was fun to watch visually. And I, I like it. I, I like, uh, as a kid, it's nice because it's not just very dually, mm. where it's just back and forth sword fight. Like, they, they change locations a lot. We mm. have other players coming into the game. Like, so I, I enjoy it a lot. What did I, what did I text you about? I like that in the the food fight scene is always one that stands oh, yeah, out to me a lot. Fight. Yeah, I that seems like a favorite scene for a lot of people, and I was like, I don't like this. Maybe I just <laughs> don't like mess. But like, I was like, that's a lot of cleaning up. Cleaning up gonna have to. Do. Yeah, <laughs> I went into Where's like full like yeah like full mum mode. I was like, oh, it's a waste of food and a lot of mess, guys. I don't know. <laughs> well, isn't a lot of it not real food? It's just like. Died that face. begs the question Kala. of how yeah. are they surviving on food that is not real or does it become real when they see it also how did they know that peter could see it because they could clearly see it and eat it when they were doing it so i don't, doesn't, I don't know doesn't he just conjure up some chicken with the power of his imagination as well did i hallucinate that does he, that yes. happen yeah so when he first <laughs> when he first sees it he has a spoon like he's been talking with rufio or going back and forth and he flings the spoon that is empty but then we see food hit rufio's face and then sure. all the kids okay. are like oh my gosh there's food there but i'm like you guys have been eating for the past 10 minutes so you have seen this food the whole time you should not be that surprised but peter hmm. should be surprised well i think uh, they're surprised that peter finally sees the food but that's what i'm saying how did they know he like he doesn't really have a big reaction this is, mm. i'm just oh i see what you're saying pulling hairs i see what you're saying. yeah like, he doesn't say, oh, I see the food now, nor do I yeah. think his expression really, like, you know, conveys that, but that's just me. No, mm -hmm. well, I mean, like, this is what we brought up last night, right? Because then it leads into the hook death. And the hook death is that the, the, the croc that ate him, or ate his hand, which he took revenge on and... Taxidermied. Taxidermied and turned into a clock, is in the middle of the square, and so he... One, it's really funny because his kids convince him not to kill Hook. And then he straight up murders Hook. Um, and so... Hook kills himself. Hook it, wakes up the crocodile. Yeah. So, yeah, that's true. Because Hook like, tries to get one over on Peter one more time. And then it, it ends up, like, knocking down the support beams, holding up the croc. And then the croc falls onto Hook and eats him and burps 
to indicate that it hook has been consumed and is in the process of digesting. However, this is not a live crocodile. So what's yeah, going? There are a lot of questions. What's going on there? <laughs> I remember as as a kid, at first I was like, "Oh, he got eaten," but then I was like, "No, because that when they walk out of Neverland, that fucking thing is still face down on the ground." So either it mm-hmm. has decided after these years of Sleeping Beauty slumber, I am just going to accept that this is my life and I'm stiff and I'm just going to lie on the ground. Or it was like he he got crushed, which is what I inevitably jumped to as a kid. I'm like, oh, it crushed him. But then it's like, where's his body? So I, he clearly wasn't crushed. He must have gone into that thing somehow. Well, and it I burps. don't know if it's still. Yeah, if it's still sentient. I don't know how. Yeah. How is it burping with its gastric juices that it doesn't possess? And then that little kid sticking his head right inside the thing's mouth. When he's like, oh, he's gone. And I'm like, get your head out of its fucking mouth. Oh my god, that thing just ate a man. <laughs> but, yeah, I have no idea. I, I just assume Dustin Hoffman's just living happily inside the little yes. crocodile by himself. That's what he mm-hmm. wanted all along, was just to be alone and away from the idiots. So, I think it's a happy yeah. ending for Dustin Hoffman. So, I have a theory, but Sarah, I want to know if you have a theory. <laughs> sure. What, just about the, the, the crocodile? What yeah, happens? about the logistics of the crocodile consuming and eating and burping Hook, despite being I mean, taxidermied. I a lot of questions about this and i i don't know if i necessarily have a theory but i would much prefer it if they if he had been crushed and then you just saw like his little hook hand or something sticking out yeah at least that would make sense he's still killed by the crocodile yeah exactly he's still killed by the crocodile because i was like uh, when it happened Bear in mind, I was willing the film to be over by this point. <laughs> I <laughs> I saw this crocodile fall and I was like, all right, so he's going to get crushed. That's fine. And then he's no longer there. And I was like, all right, did he just fall into the ground or what happened here? And then the crocodile burps and I was like, you know what? I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> willing suspension of disbelief is gone. Yeah, I'm out. I've got nothing to, <laughs> I've got nothing more to add to this. It doesn't make a lick of sense. No, very, very upset about this death. Dustin Hoffman deserved much better. Yes. <laughs> so my theory... He was the one burping. He's hiding inside of the crocodile. Oh, uh, there we go. <laughs> it He's like, just leave now. me the fuck alone. He's a loud burp. Now you can think that yeah. I'm gone. <laughs> burp, I am the crocodile. And he just wears it like a little suit. <laughs> Perfection. He looks like the dude from the end of Midsummer in the bear, in the sonar of the bear. Oh, no. Um, very, very that. Yeah. <laughs> I would watch. I would watch that. I would totally watch that. Anyway, my theory is much more sinister, which is the whole movie. We've been told that for extraordinary things to, or even eating food to happen, all you have to do is believe. Believe in the food, and it will show up, and you'll be able to sustain yourself. Believe in your flight, and you'll, you know, be able to fly if you have a happy memory. So my theory is that these kids all group-thinked Hook to death. (laughs) They believed that the crocodile would eat him when it fell on him, so it did. Huh. Which makes it a Twilight Zone movie at that point. (laughs) Yep. Or did Hook believe himself dead? Oh, he does. He is. He was ready for the sweet release of death. He was. He says it a few times, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. There we go. I fixed Hook. <laughs> the one problem with Hook. The one and only problem logic. with Hook. We did it, guys. Five stars. No <laughs> further questions. <laughs> I do have a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is there so much fat shaming in this film? Dude. <laughs> There's a lot. 
especially of children. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of problems uh, Dude, with that. It's a lot. Like it's yep. a lot. I was like, so? I don't know if you guys <laughs> clocked it, but the the kid who ends up getting power over the Lost Boys, their new little Rufio King, his, his character's name is Thudbutt, and I was like, yep, that's that's nice. Mm-hmm. This poor little chubby boy who they're making fun of for his fat the whole time. It's just, yep. And also, doesn't he literally say to him, "You're the biggest, so therefore you yep. get to be"? It's it's I'm paraphrasing, but like, because no, then the little does, kid I think is that's like, literally what he says. Yeah, the little kid's like, who do I get to? And it's like, I don't know, a bug or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Which is also false because they show taller teenagers skateboarding when he first gets there and he's getting pushed around by all the Lost Boys. Because Rufio was obviously taller than that kid. But I'm like, there were other boys who were just not showing. Are they like hiding out somewhere? Because he is not the biggest. He might be the widest, which you clearly made a theme is to (laughs) fat shame children. But yeah. uh, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, well, it, it's, it, it's super weird and the reason it's super weird is because like you know obviously we're watching films from a certain time so every once in a while like a couple jokes about it, it i don't think we would be saying anything about it outside of just being like oh yeah that happened a lot in movies around that time Mm-hmm. The, the, it it's so much it's so yeah. much the first thing they say about peter pan when he shows up is that he's is he, he's old and fat and yeah. like the, then like, they repeat it like eight more times they, it's a plot point it's a plot point that he is too fat to lead the lost boys and then at the end of the movie he's like who's gonna take my place the fat kid and it's like well, wait a minute like, <laughs> what what yeah and, and then <laughs> Oh, sorry, go for it. They're like, like they. Well, it's not a song because it's not a musical, but it should have been. But they give him a whole like chant There's as well. There's a just like, whole yeah. song about how fat he is. Yeah, Wait. yeah, fat bastard, lose weight. Oh, they don't say that. Like, <laughs> shape up, lose weight. Well, yeah, I was like, I don't. <laughs> Out of the mouths of babes. Yeah. I want to see that movie. Yeah, I sure, I, sure, I sure do. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like that. I didn't understand why that was, why it had to be such a major plot point it's in a this, plot and then given point. it, like, right? Yeah, also, it didn't make sense because he wasn't really overweight. Like, yeah. so it reminds me of in the producers. Like, so Nathan Lane's character Max Bialystok, a lot of people call him fat, but because it's a Mel Brooks movie and it's self aware, like he's always like, I'm not that fat because he's not. Mm-hmm. He's just like a normal sized human. And so when they were saying it, I almost expected like somebody to be self-aware and be like, he's he's not that fat. He's just like a normal sized guy. Spielberg's like Captain Hook's mm-hmm. probably got more fat on him. Shmi does. Nobody says shit to Shmi. Yeah. 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 Like, Robin Williams has, was never a big dude. Like he was never overweight. And the other thing too is like Spielberg does weird shit like that sometimes where like he does it in freaking, and I know it's in the book, but at least in the book, you can describe it better. But like in Ready Player One, where like Olivia Cook's like, I'm hideous. I have one mm. scar on my face. And other yeah. than that, I look exactly like Olivia Cook. Like, what? <laughs> mm. Yeah, I just, it was, just felt so weirdly mean-spirited mm-hmm. in a film which is otherwise quite positive or is sort of about you know happy memories and good thoughts and those being the things to help you unlock all of your potential and your powers and all the rest of it i just don't understand why stuff like that needed to needed to be there it just 
There, I mean, I don't know if it's just the Lost Boy stuff, but I was definitely reminded of the Goonies, and I mm-hmm, fucking hate mm-hmm, the Goonies, mm-hmm. so I don't know. <laughs> That's oh, another controversial opinion, but yeah. That's a hot take. You yeah, know, I hate the uh, Goonies so, uh, too, right, Missy? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Uh, it sucks. It's boring. That's a great critique from the film <laughs> critic. It's really annoying. <laughs> like my high school student. Um, it sucked. Oh, it's uh, it's really sucks. annoying. I think I it's it. really <laughs> annoying. I think the kids are <laughs> all really... I think the kids are all really annoying. Um, they're just screechy. It's just loud for the sake mm-hmm. of being loud. There's nothing and nothing interesting. It's boring too. Yeah, it's too long. Yeah. I think, well, okay. Cause that was obviously another one I watched as a kid. And I was thinking about this earlier, like why I still like it as an adult. And so, okay. So bear with me for a second. So art is essentially like requires three things, right? A creator, a product, and then an audience like for it to be art and exist. Yeah. And I think with these, they just lean so heavily into the audience. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I think mm-hmm. the, the artist, because Spielberg is obviously great, and the actual product itself suffers. But if it hits the right audience, like, it's going to hit well. Yeah. And I, I don't, I think that just, like, stuck with me through the years. <clears throat> like, because it hit me so well as a kid, it continued mm-hmm. on where I can still see, like, the... I don't know, like, because I can see, like, a younger me watching it and enjoying it. It's just like, yeah, this was, you know, well done, even if it wasn't. I think there's also something we need to consider here as, like, in the larger historical scheme of where the industry's at right now. Like, we're past the 80s, right? We're, this is, this is Spielberg's first movie of the 90s. And a lot of stuff has happened because of Spielberg from the late 70s into the early, or into the 80s and 90s, which is the blockbuster, Mm. the rise of the blockbuster, right? Like, Jaws comes out, blockbuster, entertainment has changed forever. Star Wars comes out, blockbuster, entertainment has changed forever two years later. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, then we get the Lucas franchise, right? Star Wars. Then we get the Spielberg franchise, which is also a Lucas franchise, Indiana Jones. Then we get another Spielberg franchise, technically produced, uh, Back to the Future, right? Big, big movies, Mm -hmm. Ghostbusters, giant hit franchise genre movies. Okay, so that's what those types of guys are doing throughout the 80s. However, another thing happens in the 80s, which is that Disney tanks. Disney almost doesn't mm-hmm. exist in the 80s. Like, they almost go out of business. Mm-hmm. And their box office receipts are not the way we're used to Disney box office receipts in the in 2022. But mm-hmm. or, the, or even the 90s, right? Because the 90s was huge. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, that's where I'm going with this. At the end of the 80s, Little Mermaid comes out. Little Mermaid is the beginning of the Disney renaissance, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, Sarah. Uh, I mean, I would argue it's Basil the Great Master Detective. Sure. But, you know, move on. I love the Great Master Detective. (laughs) Oh, it slaps so hard. If you do a podcast on it, bring me on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The the popular opinion is the Little Mermaid is uh, the start of the renaissance, Mm. but the Sarah opinion, uh, the Sarah and Missy opinion. Yep, 100%. is Great Mouse Detective. Right, but was Great Mouse Detective the hit? Because The Little Mermaid was a hit. No. Okay. It should have no, been. No, it wasn't. Okay. Yeah. So Little Mermaid was huge. Like that movie was gigantic, and that put Disney back on the map. And then they like, and then they do Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast gets nominated for Best Picture. Still the only animated film nominated for Best Picture, I believe. Uh, and then they do uh, what's it? Um, oh my God. Aladdin, next. Aladdin? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, wasn't that happening yeah. the same time as Hook? Uh, 92, it came out a year later. 92, oh, okay. yeah. Um, so, all that's happening in the background of all this. And with Little Mermaid, basically, 
what happened is Spielberg and Lucas were allowed to rule the children's box office throughout the 80s. They were pretty much uncontested. Mm-hmm. Um, like mm-hmm. that whole lot. And now they have to deal with Disney and it's getting scary. It's not quite as bad as like, uh, you know, one it is now because everyone's having to compete with Disney now. But it's not quite as bad mm-hmm. as it gets in the earlier to later 90s where like Disney is ruling. But it's getting, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're making a bigger name for themselves than they have. And so I almost wonder if some of it is just them having to deal with competition for the first time in a long time, <laughs> um, mm. uh, where it's just like, oh, well, we were allowed to basically run box office unchecked entirely, and then, yeah. or at least children's box office unchecked entirely, and then Little Mermaid happens, and it's like, oh shit, <laughs> like we've got to, we've got to <laughs> step up, and like they do right because uh, mm-hmm. while not directly aimed at kids, a lot of kids see Jurassic Park in '93, yeah, and mm-hmm. so like it. You know, it's it's a it's one of those rising tide lifts all boats type of things, but it forced them to get good or better than they had been even, and they were already pretty good. Mm, yeah. Hmm. Do it is, I mean, this might not be anything, but we sort of alluded to earlier that it's weird that this film is called Hook when it's mm, so much more about Peter Pan. <laughs> would there yeah. have been? Would there have been? Was that because there was pushback on calling it like? Peter or Pan or Peter Pan because <laughs> or any combination of those things like any iteration be- of it yeah yeah because Disney were kind of back back on top again I don't know if they necessarily mm. wanted a film that sort of sounded like a Disney film because it was a Disney film yeah <laughs> so here's my my theory that I just crafted right now <laughs> uh, but developed last night so I I got a wild hair and wanted to watch the official trailer and then I, I had messaged That's MJ right. after I watched it. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Whoever cut that trailer um, was not told what the movie is about. And they were absolutely told <laughs> that it was a horror film. It's They almost <laughs> exclusively just use shots from the ransacked house. Um, mm-hmm. Intercut with a hook hand that is like slicing through title cards. Like I whatever nice. I called it last night. The Kmart version of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, yeah, it... <laughs> I was like, what the hell is this trailer? So there was like a phase where people were making parody um, trailers, like cutting together comedy films like Dumb and Dumber. um, Or like there's a Mary Poppins one, but they set it to like scary horror music and they just use like scenes that could have gone either way. And they're hilarious. And so I had to pause for a second. So I was like, oh, maybe I clicked the wrong thing because this is clearly somebody trying to make Hook into a horror movie. But this was the trailer that was released. So I don't Mm -hmm. know if like... And this is, again, just a theory that I constructed right now. Um, if they were trying to make it seem like something more adult and scary, but it's still Peter Pan, so you're going to bring your kids. But, okay, adults, it'll be something kind of thrilling for you guys, too. And then, surprise, this is not a film about Hook, nor is it a horror film, nor is it really Spielbergian at all. So you're here because you, we got your money. So, yeah. I don't know. Too late I don't know now. if it was marketed yeah, more that. like adult. <laughs> yeah, it does... I. I don't know if it was the the E.T. trailer or just the beginning of E.T. that felt so much like a horror film. I feel like they did it in the trailer as well, but kind of it's a fairly smart move, I guess, if you've got a film mm-hmm. that is quite heavily aimed at children or sort of like the family market mm-hmm. anyway, to sort of make the trailer seem a bit like there is going to be something for the adults as well because right. they're the ones paying for the ticket at the end of the day and obviously you know yeah the kids can be like i want to see this and you know demand of their parents take them to the cinema or whatever but it it yeah it like 
I haven't seen the Hook trailer, but I'm going to be looking it up <laughs> after this because I'm quite intrigued. But I've seen some it of those trailers before where it's like this film, but if it was a horror... There's a really... I mean, second mention of it on the pod, but there's a really great one of Mrs. Doubtfire where they've made it yes. look like a horror film. It's so it's funny. E- yeah. Extraordinary. It's so, it's so good because it makes so much sense like with the clips that they've used where it's just him looking like creepily out of the window and like the <laughs> the mask that falls out the window and gets run over by the truck like just all of those bits but but <laughs> with like creepy so horror music it's fantastic but yeah that was it because dustin hoffman is is hook so like you call it hook you make the trailer about hook because but they don't show him he's at all. the big draw of the yeah. film i yeah when also the surprise reveal apparently because like the only part he has in the trailer is his line i hate i hate i hate peter pan which is a Mm. weird line it's just a weird trailer (laughs) but like they they show that over like i think a hook at the end that is just torn through something else that was on the screen it's weird it's like the children screaming when the blankets get ripped off of them but they're silent so you don't hear them screaming and there's just scary (laughs) horror ominous music in the back it's really (laughs) weird yeah i mean it sounds sinister (laughs) i was just saying how sinister it sounds it is it's it's truly like it's comical like i was laughing out loud as i was watching this horror trailer for the movie hook it was just very strange (laughs) yeah i think i think you're right about you know um them leaning more into the dustin hoffman than the robin williams of it because i mean hoffman has just been killing it right like i mean ishtar aside but he was Mm -hmm. in like through from the late 70s to early through the 90s or through the 80s he was in kramer versus kramer tootsie and rain man and like he was so Mm -hmm. popular he was like probably the most popular actor in the country at that point like those Mm -hmm. movies were all gigantic hits that won a lot of awards like those movies are really really popular and so i think like leaning into like oh dustin hoppins playing captain hook is mm-hmm. you know once again pun not intended a hook to get adult sure. audiences into to bring their kids but then you know well what's this is pre uh what's it called um aladdin IMDb? no it's it's pre aladdin oh, so what uh robin williams has been in at the very least well mork and mindy obviously but um uh vietnam good morning vietnam at this point where the mm-hmm. frick is his filmography um he'd been in I, i've got it on imdb now he'd been in mostly adult films up to this point and he's kind of known in the 90s as being in like all of the kids or family films mm-hmm. but major ones that i can oh, see poet society is what he had like, just come off of mm. yeah dead Was poet society awakenings the fisher king like a oh lot the of fisher king's so serious... freaking good i love that movie yeah I liked Awakenings as well. It's not perfect, but I, it's he's really good in it as well. Like, yeah. but yeah, that's a lot of not kid <laughs> films. Yeah. And then you sort of look at it after that, and it's like uh, Hook. He did some voice acting stuff right. as well. Then obviously Aladdin, <gasps> Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, Two Wong Fu, one of the greatest films ever. Uh, so good. Jumanji. The Birdcage. Oh, what a just what a talent, honestly. Wait, Sarah, <laughs> I love are you so many of, of these films? I freaking love The Birdcage. Sarah, that is one of my favorite films of all time. MJ, you're off the <laughs> I am now the new MJ because Sarah, I don't know if you know this. My name is Melissa Joe, and so it's also MJ. It'll be a seamless transition. Sorry, MJ. Says so now. Uh, I also like Bird The Birdcage. Bird 
Nope. You don't like it enough. <laughs> I've seen it. I can it tell w- from your tone and the way that you said it. I've seen it once. That was pretty good. I'll see. I'd, I'd watch it again. It like... a, I watch it once a month. I watch it once a month, oh if not God. more. It's so well. good. I would watch it every day. <laughs> but back to what you were saying, though, about like the the names like Dustin Hoffman and Robin Williams that ties in with the trailer theory because there is also I forgot to mention a scene where it's like a a wide like uh, location shot of like Big Ben in London at night and stuff and then it's just actor names flying at the screen and it's all their big names that they have in the film which they do have a lot of really popular actors at that time so it's like Dustin Hoffman uh, Robin Williams Julia Roberts Bob Hoskins they probably had Maggie Smith in there too they could have thrown in Gwyneth Mm -hmm. Paltrow technically Mm -hmm. because she's in it for five seconds so yeah, I mean, all yeah. Of that, well, I, I Julia Roberts, who's a nothing part in this movie and sucks in it, yeah. she's coming off a Pretty Woman, right? Like that movie was mm-hmm. gigantic. Mm-hmm. She's America's mm-hmm. sweetheart. Yeah, yeah. She's only twenty three when they made this movie. Holy crap! Was she really? Yeah. 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 Which one of the funniest things to me was like <laughs> when when. Tink becomes big. We haven't really talked about her because she's not good in this movie, but and also she doesn't do anything. But, and her plot line is weird. It's so weird. It's so weird. Stupid. But when she becomes big <laughs> and kisses Peter, mm-hmm. I was in my brain, I was like 10 steps ahead into him like recounting to Moira what happened and then <gasps> being like, and then I kissed a fairy who looks like a 23 year old Julia Roberts and then and I learned how to fly. Yep. <laughs> He also, yeah. um, someone pointed out this out to me on Twitter. Um, he also kisses like three mermaids as well. Yep. Uh, but they're technically like resuscitating <laughs> him with the very no. loud, like Foley <laughs> artist going <sighs> like into the mic. ASMR. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the precursor for it. Yeah. The, the weird, like, uh, romantic affection for peter pan i think it's just at every turn handled so poorly be it from maggie smith hitting on him as an adult also talking about liking him as Mm. a kid and then like Mm. julie roberts like this i mean let's call it what it is the weird pedophilia that is like shown throughout although tinkerbell is i guess ageless but yeah i I don't think any of that is handled well and in a way that didn't make me think this is kind of creepy and weird it's so weird because in the not to bring up the cartoon again but i'm gonna but in the uh, disney one like tinkerbell clearly is in love with peter pan but it's sort of it comes out through jealousy like and she gets to be this kind of like sassy fun character that is trying to kill wendy because she's you know getting close to her man and she doesn't like that and that's funny and that works for that character but this version of tick this just kind of like just nothing well it's wooden cartoons. blank <laughs> yeah well and it yeah. also went from like 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 you said Sarah. like there's like a spunkiness to tinkerbell mm-hmm. like she mm-hmm. she's like a sassy little it's almost like a little schoolgirl getting like jealous or upset mm-hmm. over something which is kind of like cute and funny whereas julia roberts was like this sad adult with unrequited love who <laughs> fell in love with a child and it's like ugh, yeah. gross I the, the hey, like, good enough Maggie for Jacob Smith, from Twilight. Like, good enough for Julia Roberts. <laughs> God, gross. The 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 will they won't they kiss with Maggie Smith and Robin Williams very uncomfortable. Yeah, real weird. <laughs> I was like, real oh no, because um, that's I mean it's obvious that you know he is Peter Pan. The fact that he's yeah. called mm-hmm. Peter freaking Banning. It's like all right, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like they'll never the, know. <laughs> it's like oh sure he's. He's Peter Pan. Oh no, I never saw that coming. But yeah, the, it, 
I don't know, weird. Because <laughs> at that point, it's like one person seeing that movie, and when they get to Neverland, Neverland being like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's the ti- it's the tiger shark guy. Someone just yeah. sits there like, "A what?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't they? So Maggie Smith. I mean, in my head, Maggie Smith has been old since she came out of the womb. It's because of this like, movie. If we're, I, I'm so yeah. glad you brought this <laughs> Did I not text that to you yesterday? Yeah, but I, I was thinking about it when we saw it. Because it's like now as an adult, it's clear she's an old woman makeup. So, mm-hmm. yeah. but for us, like for our generation, the only two things we saw her in were this and then a me- and then we didn't see her for like 10 years and then Harry Potter. And, and then Downton Abbey. So, well, yeah, but we didn't see that until we were adults. And so yeah. it, it was just like, as far as we knew, that was the old lady from Hook. Yep. And somehow she's been the same age in yeah. all of those things that we just mentioned. Yeah. So I agree, Sarah. She came out the womb old. She's Benjamin Button. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because she's she was like 50 something I was reading, mm-hmm. I think, when, when she made this. But obviously they've like, old lady aged her up. But mm-hmm. it's weird that in this she looks like she does now <laughs> it's <Yeah>. very <laughs> very disconcerting i will say they did a great job with her makeup making her look oh yeah how maggie smith looks yeah. now <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. like looking into the future yeah uh, <laughs> yeah they nailed it like it's just it's it's pretty seamless as far as like making an old mm-hmm. person look how they look when they're old mm-hmm. yeah i will say that i mean she's not in it that much but also Maggie Smith, uh, as well as being a goddamn national treasure, she is very good in this film. Yes. I enjoy her in it. Yeah. I wish there was more of her. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) One other. (laughs) Chalking up one other win for Hook. (laughs) What about Phil Collins as a policeman? Exactly. Glenn Close as the pirate. David Crosby. David Crosby's a pirate. Put in a. What? (laughs) Yeah. Glenn Close is my favorite cameo in it. I told him, so I'm severely, like, cripplingly claustrophobic, and I really do think if I traced it back long enough, it would be the boot box that she gets shoved mm-hmm. in when they throw scorpions on her, because I cannot imagine a more horrifying death. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, George Lucas and Carrie Fisher as well. What? Yeah, on the, br- the couple on the bridge. They're the couple on the bridge. Oh! Oh, yeah, the ones who magically get lifted up yeah. and don't make a scene that they're flying in the air? Yeah. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's George Lucas and Carrie Fisher. George Lucas, Kathleen Aww. Kennedy, and someone else are is it john williams or spielberg himself are also in um last crusade oh yep that's fun there's they're 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 in a picture in uh last crusade oh <laughs> i like that when it's subtle and it's not like no i'm sorry in your face. they're not in a picture there is mm-hmm. a picture of them on set they're in the background my apologies I got this all twisted. They're in Temple of Doom. <laughs> They're in the scene that Dan Aykroyd is in, in Temple of Doom. Um, oh. They're in the background. They're extras. Hmm. Because mm-hmm. they filmed it up near San Francisco. They filmed that scene up near San Francisco. Mm. Well, good for them. Yep. Throw them a bone. I learned that recently. So this is the second, <laughs> at least the second Spielberg movie that George Lucas has shown up in. Was there any reason for Phil Collins being in it? Or, you know, just why not? For shits and giggles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nothing uh, else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, he'll be in my heart, so. 
I think he's actually very funny. I think his dry delivery made well, it makes me laugh every time I watch it. And then when I realized it was Phil Collins, I was like, hell yeah, Tarzan music guy because I was a kid and I wasn't aware of. His, I always uh, think of discography. Uh, I was thinking the Thirty Rock joke where uh, Tracy <laughs> Tracy's talking to Jack and he goes, "I'm gonna make you a mixtape. Do you like Phil Collins?" <laughs> and Jack says, "I've got two ears and a heart, don't I?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Is this the um, genesis of his acting career? Wait. (laughs) Lame. That was bad. Very bad. Um, Um, And yet, it made me laugh inside. (laughs) Here, let's just Google it. Why is Phil Collins... In Hook, that's the first thing that comes up when you type in why is Phil Collins. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> it's me Googling it earlier. I've done that. <laughs> uh, remembering the random Phil Collins cameo in Steven Spielberg's Hook. Um, <laughs> because why the hell not should be the answer. Just mm-hmm. throwing that out there. Uh, pro- <laughs> pro- probably. Um... I think so. He was just wandering around near the set, and they're like, hey, Phil, come on in. Wait, Jimmy Buffett's in this? Hang on. No, what? he is not. Jimmy Buffett. Speaking of national treasures. Hook. <laughs> For America, at least. Hook Jimmy Buffett scene. This is a deleted scene. Who is he? He is... Is he saying Cheeseburgers in Paradise? Let's see. Or Margarita? Uh, in Hook, he makes a uh, cameo as one of the pirates... That tries to steal his shoes. Oh. Weird. Why are there so many musicians in this movie? It's supposed to be a musical. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. (laughs) No, but for real, like, there's so many musicians in this movie. And and no explanations. No. And also Glenn Close. That's so weird. That's so weird. Cause, it really well, is. Because th- the Dan Aykroyd thing also doesn't make sense in Temple of Doom. Like, why the why is he mm. in there to deliver one line of exposition to him? Isn't because reason? Dan Aykroyd shows up in something. Does he show up in something else? Who? Spielberg. Dan Aykroyd. Well, he's in 1941. Yeah, I thought it was another. Oh, maybe it was. It's just been a while since we watched Temple of Doom. I just remember Martin being like, "There's Dan Aykroyd." Yeah. So. Hmm. Maybe that was maybe that yeah. was what I was thinking of. He's like walking. He's like at the like when they're about to get on a plane or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. He should have been in Crystal Skull. <laughs> Ugh. Mm. I mean, guys, do you guys know why Dan Aykroyd should have been in Crystal Skull, or did that just totally <laughs> fall flat? Uh, I mean, I was just thinking about invited a rage how much. Me okay, so yeah. Dan, Dan Aykroyd is yeah. obsessed with aliens. Um, obsessed with aliens. Is this common knowledge. Oh. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, How he, common, MJ? Uh, he made a whole documentary about <laughs> aliens. He what? Yeah, he's also obsessed with the real life Crystal Skulls. Um, his vodka brand ah. is Crystal Skull Vodka, and it comes in a tiny glass what? skull. I'm learning a I've lot learned... of new things today. Yeah, <laughs> I was just about to say. In the last five <laughs> seconds, I've learned he has a vodka brand. He made a documentary yep. about aliens. <laughs> I mean. Every day's a school day, and today is one, one of the best. <laughs> Every day's a school day. <laughs> is that a 
British phrase. I, think I don't know. So. I, we just say I like you, we just say you learn something new every day. Um, yeah. Oh, but we say every day is a school day. Every day is a school day is I great. Like That's way better. That one. That's way more efficient. You're welcome. Yeah, we uh, we lost the plot on this. Sorry, everyone. Um, it's okay. So did the movie. Oof, hey. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Two and a half hour movie. <laughs> what happens in that two and a half hours? I don't. Anyway. Magic. I just don't. Magic happens. <laughs> My childhood happens. Let me have one happy memory, MJ. Guys, is there a is there one? A, is there a character named Don't Ask? Yes. I'm telling yeah, you, the look Lost up the Boys. Lost Boys names. They're wild. Yeah. Wow. I'm a, what's the what the kid who gets handed the the sword at the thud end? What's butt. he called? Th- yeah, thud. I'm upset about that. Thud butt. <laughs> yeah. No, they they call him Thud. I think somebody. Mm-hmm. I hear somebody like kind of offhandedly say it. I think at one point yesterday I did clock somebody saying "Don't ask." But yeah, I was telling MJ, it's like it's supposed to be this poignant moment, and they can't even call him by his name because that would just suck the air out of the fucking room. Uh, even though I don't even think it was a well earned scene for poignancy, but if he was like, "I mm-hmm. bequeath this to you, Thud butt." It's like no, stop it. So I've I found some Lost Boy names, so I can read the ones that are at least listed on IMDb. So we've got Pockets, Ace, Rufio, Thudbutt, Don't Ask, Too Small, Latch Boy, oh, no. no Nap. <laughs> no Nap's pretty good. Uh, that's that's, that's all I got. There might be more, but yeah, too small, that's... more sizeism from the Lost Boys. <laughs> If you're not yeah. getting made fun of for being fat, you're too small. <laughs> Horrible. You can't win with the Who Lost Boys. Who gives them these? You really can't. Who gives them but these that's names? That's how kids are. That's how cancel so culture like, they... is. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it it fits for kid logic. They're mean, and they pick out the one thing that they can make fun of you yeah, for. Yeah, look at that high-waisted man. He's life. got feminine hips. <laughs> yep. That's your immortal name in this immortal land is the one thing that you're self-conscious about, and then we will call you that for the rest of your life. Oh no. Mm. <laughs> it's <laughs> my, does, does that mean my lost boy's name would be not wanting to be a burden? Yep. <laughs> no, they would call you burden. They just they, call yeah, you they a burden. Call, yeah, oh yeah, they would call me a burden. I see. Oh. <laughs> I don't like this game. <laughs> I refuse to think about it any further than need to mention Yeah. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> leave this podcast with crippling anxiety and existential dread mm. great. weirdly enough something that did not happen on our Christmas Christmas Carol episode no because Muppets because Muppets make everything better Muppets could have made this better oh Muppets could have absolutely oh. made this better because it's from the same screenwriter Mupp- as Muppet yeah. Treasure Island <laughs> which is a great film I was going to say they kind of did this film but better in Muppet Treasure, Muppet Island. Yeah. Treasure yeah. Island already so Okay, yeah. well, would Tim Curry have been a, as good of a hook in this? No. Yes. Oh. <laughs> oh, no, Sarah. Our first disagreement, apart from you hating hook and me loving it. I also I... kind of think he would be as good as Dustin Hoffman is in this. It, I... needs a, it needs a person like that. It needs a person of that who is willing to go mm-hmm. that far with the performance. I... Mm-hmm. I do, like, when you listed all those other, you know, David Bowie and who else, you know, like, yes, you can say that these other people could play Hook in theory, but I am happy that we have Dustin Hoffman as Hook. I yeah. think the own, one of the only other people who could do this, a similar kind of performance, but not as good, is 
probably too. It just it just feels like that mm-hmm. sort of role would really fit. Very see, well. I feel like Donald Sutherland, uh, Sutherland really caught my attention yeah. when he said that one. Like, I can see him doing it as yeah. well. So I'm not, like, precious about it having to be Dustin Hoffman, even though I adore him in it. I don't know. There's something, like, I'm going to take that lazy criticism that somebody had of Dustin Hoffman. Like, he's a little too, like, uh, silly. Like, I don't know if that's the word I'm trying to go for. Mm-hmm. Like, he seems a little more over the top, mm-hmm. um, even more so than Hook is and i know he can be obviously a very serious and subtle actor to bring some of the layers to hook but i don't know i mean i'm sure he would be amazing because i think he's a great long john silver but i don't know he's just very i don't know it'd be very different so i don't know if it'd be better in my he opinion. would have, have to be it. if they'd made it a musical it would have mm-hmm. to be tim curry right, right. Yeah. He, oh, yeah he would have to be sweet hook vestite in order for it to <laughs> <laughs> which is what he was in Muppet Treasure Island. <laughs> yeah <laughs> From transsexual yeah. Neverland. Um, <laughs> With Michael Jackson as... Oh, no! Oh, no! Yup. Nope. <laughs> we just made a horror film, which is good, because yeah. the trailer is a horror yeah. film. <laughs> the Rocky Hook picture show. Of... show. <laughs> God. Of the, the other... We spoke a bit about the uh, Oscar nominations Hook had... Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to talk about the Oscar nomination it didn't have, which was the score, because right, no. I love this score. This could be a contender for one of my favorite John Williams scores. Oh, uh, even just the the like the flying music that as like a single track is possibly it's at the very least in my like top ten Williams tracks and i i haven't seen john williams like in the flesh but i've been to kind of film music concerts and as a person with no uh emotional nostalgic connection to hook at all hearing that specifically that piece of score played by a live orchestra i cry every time Mm. (laughs) it's so beautiful it fits so well with this kind of whimsy nostalgia magic wonder that this film is obviously aiming for whether it you know achieves that is we've kind of covered but yeah the the score i think is really really excellent i i was shocked when i looked at well shocked for several reasons looking at the oscar nominations that it had any was my first Mm. big shock yeah second (laughs) shock where is the score (laughs) the score nomination (laughs) No, I think you you nailed it with it, which is what the film should have been. He he got completely and then mm-hmm. puts it into music and it's beautiful and lovely and, and does. I mean, I would argue some of the heavy lifting that the film drops, like his, yep. his score actually keeps <laughs> some of it up. Yeah. And it's like, this is what you're supposed to be feeling right now, guys. We know that the film is not actually letting you know that. So we will let you know through the music. And he does it beautifully. But yeah. Mm, yeah. I only feel things in this film because of the, the score. And I... <laughs> I'm a notorious crier. Like, anything makes me cry. It really doesn't take a lot. I saw a cute dog on TV the other day that was supposedly Britain's ugliest dog, and I sobbed because it was really cute. So that's (laughs) that's how easily I can cry at things. But nothing... All of the things, you know, plot points, interactions between characters, things in this film that are supposed to make you feel things, they don't. And they should. But what does make me feel something in this in this film is the score and the score alone. <laughs> like I I wasn't particularly sort of, you know, swept away by the sort of magic of him like learning to fly again or 
all yeah. the rest of it. But I hearing that score, I was just like, oh yes, like it. You're right. It's doing a lot of heavy lifting in in this film, <laughs> like really a lot. <laughs> Yeah, so what else was nominated? It was Beauty and the Beast, Bugsy, Fisher King, JFK, John Williams, and The Prince of Tides, and Beauty and the Beast won. Is that for score? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fair. Well, I mean, I don't I don't think it's better than Hooks, and I love Alan Menken. Yeah, I think the wonderful. songs with lyrics mm-hmm. are, you know, yes. really good, but the better. score itself, eh. I think the Hooks score is better. Yeah, I agree. Robin Williams was nominated this year, um, but not for Hook. He's nominated for The Fisher King. Mm. Imagine. I think I saw Dustin Hoffman. For this. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman was nominated for like a Golden Globe or something for this. For Hook? Yeah. I can see that. And I think I yeah. saw Julie Roberts was nominated for a Razzie. Oh, yeah. She's not good. <laughs> Deserving. She's not good. <laughs> Here's your Razzie nomination and your horrible divorce right before your wedding or whatever yeah. separation. Enjoy your life. Yeah. She has a terrible wig. Oh yeah, her hair is terrible. Bad. It's so ugly. I hate looking at it. And like Tinkerbell in the Disney cartoon, her hair is fabulous. And I don't. Oh yeah. What did Julia Roberts do to upset the costume (laughs) and hair? I mean, a lot, as it turns out. But prior to becoming, (laughs) prior to doing it, why did they look at this America's sweetheart and go, you know what? We're gonna put you in. The ugliest wig that we can find. Yeah, the ugliest <laughs> costume. On this side too, of the road. Like, her, yeah. her costume oh, yeah. sucks, right? Like, if you look at the Tinker, like, Awful. It, you know, not that it has to be yeah. a one to one direction of the cartoon, but like, it's colorful, like, there's personality there. Like, this looks like she's like, she's just like fucking Dobby. Like, <laughs> I was going to say Pebbles from the Flintstone, but Dobby oh, yeah. is much more accurate. No, it's totally a Pebbles dress. That's absolutely a Pebbles dress. <laughs> and then she randomly gets a ball gown? Why? Yeah. Where? Make a lick of sense. Ooh. Yeah. And the ball <laughs> gown sucks too. I don't know. I don't like that ball gown on. Yeah. It's, it's, no. It looks so ugly on her. And like, not, you know, not that I need everything. It's not fitting. To be like, you know, form fitting. Like, I don't need her to be dressed like she is in Pretty Woman in this movie, but it's just like, I just. Okay. I don't understand. It doesn't this make is, any goddamn sense. Well, it's just like, this is one of the <laughs> most beautiful people working in the films at this time. And you're mm-hmm. just like ma- like making the complete wrong costuming choices for like how like what looks good on her body. And like I said, not even mm-hmm. like to make it form fit or anything, but just it looks terrible on her. It's not flattering. Yeah, yeah, you none know. of it's flattering. And it's just like, well, okay, why not? She's supposed to be a mild love interest to the main character, and mm-hmm. also, like I said, she's America's sweetheart. Like everyone agrees that she's like one of the prettiest people working in film at this time. Like, why would you not yeah. try to do that? Because she pissed off the costume designer? Too. I guess so. <laughs> pissed off everybody. I guess so. Yeah, I don't even know what she was doing on set, to be perfectly honest. Okay, so some of the criticisms I remember reading, and this is really unfair for as much as, like, I was just shitting on her as well. It was, like, people were like, oh, her mood was all over the place. Like, she was too somber sometimes. And that, I'm like, okay, well, that's not fair if you are going through a horrible breakup. Yeah. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if that led into other mood swings that were a little more, like, I don't know, snippy with people Mm -hmm. or being, you know, straight up rude or aggressive. But, yeah. The somber one, I was like, okay, cut her some slack, please. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's gross. I don't like that. But if like yeah. if they, the the stuff I was reading didn't provide specific examples, but made it sound like she was being like kind of shitty to people, like that she was she was like rude or like 
you know, really, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, maybe it is that she was depressed, obviously. Um, although, uh, well, yeah. Hurt people hurt people, MJ. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like if you both cheat on each other, it's a wash. Like You should just be like, well, that didn't work. <laughs> you um, both suck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, no one won there. Like, why are you Why are you sad? You both cheated on each other. It's, it's even. Everything's even. You clearly, neither one of you clearly wanted to be there. Um, yep. You both had your bets elsewhere and you both lost or won. However yeah, exactly. So, but like, I could see if she had played something somber and then spielberg tries to direct her and she's like i'm not doing that like if she straight up refuses direction then yeah maybe it could be that but she said like in an interview where she was like it really hurt because he said that he said he would never work with her again as recently as 2011 whoa Whoa. yeah (laughs) yeah Huh. Yeah, he specifically he he kind of said he wouldn't work with any of those people again, but specifically named Julia Roberts. Like he was like, I probably wouldn't work with any of them again, but especially Julia Roberts. <laughs> That's her lost boys wow. and security name. Steven Spielberg won't work with you. <laughs> I thought you were making a joke terrible because wig. terrible wig. Yeah, terrible wig. I thought you were making terrible, a joke about her being engaged to Kiefer Sutherland, who was in the Lost Boys, because that's who she was going through the breakup with at that time. Oh, that's true. No. Yeah. The article I read was like, no, I went for the wordier, less funny one. The, ar- it was less clever. the article I read was like, <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland. She was going through a breakup with Kiefer Sutherland, who incidentally was also in a Peter Pan adjacent movie, The Lost Boys, and I was like, that's a person who doesn't know anything about The Lost Boys. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, not not a Peter Pan film. <laughs> um, is I mean, is there uh, the the Spielberg is uh, a lot of the things I was reading anyway about this film is that not just Spielberg but a lot of people connected with making this film are now sort of like, yeah, it's not very good. Yes, I just yeah wondered <laughs> what. <laughs> What to, to make of that? Because obviously there's, as we will get into when we get to our, our tweets from, from listeners, that a lot of people do really, really love this film. Mm-hmm. But this, and there are some films that, you know, the filmmakers like, you know, don't like because, you know, they're perfectionist, whatever. They say it's not the, the film that I wanted to make. It's not very good, whatever. But, you know, people still like it anyway. But this is uh, interesting how I think like after the fact that, still now Spielberg is like, yeah, it's not very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, people love it. He said his kids love it. He said it's it's one of his kids' favorite uh, films he's ever made. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, one of the reviewers I was reading was saying, like, so he's like, it was aimed at me because I was 16 when it came out. I was like, nope, too old, buddy. Because uh, he didn't like it. And <laughs> yeah. then he said, now as an adult, um, he showed it to his kids and they adored it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's it really was like meant for kids. Like they definitely lost that step of trying to include adult, you know, sensibilities at all. I mean, well, I don't think completely. I think that's being unfair. I actually still like it as an adult. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure if I had watched it for the first time as an older person, not as a kid with good circumstances, I would probably be closer to your guys' side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw it in theaters, I think. Maybe not. I was, no, I would have been too. As a kid? I would have been. I was like, you're barely older than me. I would have been two, um, but I had seen it at home because my dad really liked this movie. And mm-hmm. Maybe I did see it at home because my I remember watching it with my mom, and my mom did not go to, does not go to the theater that much. 
Um, mm-hmm. So, but I remember, I have a very specific memory of her watching this movie and being like, I do not recognize Dustin Hoffman in this movie at all. Like, it bl- I yeah. remember it blowing her mind learning that that was Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> um, yeah. And... <laughs> Yeah, but I remember they liked it. I don't know if they assumed I liked it. Because I probably did like it as a kid, but it was one of those movies that I didn't own. But I had a lot of mm, yeah. I had a lot of toys from it when I was a kid. Sure. Um, and those were really fun to play with. Like, those were some of my most played with toys. Because um, I had, like, a... I had, like, a Peter that you could hang on a door and, like, pull a string and he would fly. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, and then I had, like, a Rufio on the, like, wind sail skateboard thing. Oh, cool. Yep. Um, <laughs> so I definitely was into it, at least as a kid. And then I think when I watched it when I was 16, I was like, this is not the movie I remember it. Like, I, I remember watching it again as a teenager and being like, this is long and boring and kind of <laughs> looks bad. <laughs> like, I just, I mm. whatever nostalgia I had for it, I did not watch it in regular enough rotation to where I was like, ah, yeah, it's got some problems. But, you know, I was a kid. So, I yeah, I, it just didn't take for me. I feel like it's like the kid snack phenomenon where like when you're little and you like, and I, I apologize, Sarah, I do not know enough about the snacks that you guys feed children in in England, (laughs) but like a lot of like the candies are like Cheetos and stuff that we have here, Mm -hmm. like little chips and stuff that kids love. And I remember as a kid adoring and then as an adult with a, a different digestive system and then B like different taste palette, like trying Mm -hmm. it. I'm like, why the hell did I consume this trash? And I feel like that happens with films too sometimes. I mean, it didn't for me for Hook, although I can see the the bad in it. But yeah, so it sounds like that was your yeah. That it was, was your it was sort of you like, like, like high C. Like I drank a lot of high C as a child. Right. And now if yes. I try high C, I feel like I'm gonna Ugh. die. Um, yeah. Too sugary. Way too sugary. And if I drink a whole thing of it, then I get hypoglycemic because I'm a 34 year old man. <laughs> yeah, I. It's it's weird to me how how Hook just because there are a lot of films that are for you know ones that you loved as a child as a child and then you go back to you realize are like not as good. There's something about the like the longevity of this film that I just find quite intriguing because I think being mm-hmm. on the other side of it and being like didn't watch this film as a child, don't mm-hmm. think it's very good, accepting that obviously not having that nostalgia element probably does play into that a little but sure i i've had it with films where i i remember loving it as a child and i've watched it and i've been like that was trash like why right. did i like that as a kid but something about this that's really stuck with people i don't know i can't i can't because it doesn't seem that different to those other films that that i'm sort of thinking of but yeah yeah i <clears throat> I don't know. Well, I think it's one of those things where, like, people are like, oh, you love X movie, but you didn't own, like, but I didn't own it growing up. Like, ownership of movies was way different, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. And then as a small child who loved movies, I didn't own that many. So when I started getting paid for a job, I built a huge (laughs) movie collection. Um, (laughs) uh, But, yeah, I I only had a handful of movies that I owned. Like, um, even something like the... The original three live action Ninja Turtle movies, I loved mm-hmm. those movies as a kid. I didn't own yeah. them. I did not yeah. own them. And those are total nostalgia blinder movies for me. Like I I see no criticism in all three of those movies. <laughs> um like and if you come, if you step to me with some, you're 
fucking wrong. Like, so I definitely have, I definitely have, like, I am not above that by any stretch. Um, from the man mm-hmm. whose critique was it sucks <laughs> about the Goonies, um, <laughs> yep. yeah. But like the Goonies, not a movie I grew up watching. Um, not, and I don't think this movie that I'm about to name is bad. And I feel like I have to qualify that because of what what movie I'm about to say. The Princess Bride, good movie. Oh, that's a amazing film. Yeah, it's great. It's great. I like Stardust more than I like The Princess Bride because I didn't see The Princess Bride until I was like 18. So I think you know. A, I just don't have a lot of... Everyone I know who loves The Princess Bride grew up watching it. And like I said, I don't think it's a bad Mm. movie by any stretch. It's a really well-made movie. It was a lot of really good jokes in it. But, like, I was able to, like, approach that movie with, like, a more adult sensibility. And so because Mm. of that, I was like, well, Stardust scratches that itch for me more than Princess Bride does. Whereas I think most people who grew up watching Princess Bride, like think Stardust is just a cheap imitation of Princess Bride. I am one of those people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I also, yeah, grew up watching, yeah. Huh. I can't argue with that or offer a counterpoint because we watched it every time. And I, I like what you were saying about the video owning because mm-hmm. that was another movie that I did not own. I didn't own Hook. So there was something special um, about just the whole like uh, event of getting to mm. go to somebody's house who I knew owned it. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, hell yeah. Even if it's like, no, Missy, we watch this every time you come over and stay the night. I did not care because that's mm-hmm, what I wanted to watch because yeah. I didn't own it. And so it was always really fun. Hmm. Yeah, because I like a weird, weird gift for a child, but I owned Men in Black as a kid. And oh, I'm pretty sure I did. <laughs> too, I watched for some reason. the hell out of that movie. And I love that <laughs> movie. But yeah, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Like it's one that's i think that well well i think that movie holds up really well but um i think it's it's uh, also a nostalgia how much i like that movie is based on the nostalgia of repeat watching it but i think something like the ninja turtles movies it is because it was kind of special i think i had that with jurassic park too i never owned jurassic park on Mm -hmm. vhs as a kid and so every time i didn't own it for years i didn't even own it on dvd for a long time so every time i was like dog sitting for someone as like a teenager in my early 20s and they had jurassic park on dvd i put that shit on (laughs) because i (laughs) I loved that movie so much as a kid but i didn't get to watch it that often the way i did something like men in black and so Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. yeah i think you're right it made it more special and like no one i knew was that into hook besides my parents but we never owned it Mm. Yeah, same. I, I was like my sisters and I, and then as I got, well, and also we didn't have social media, so I, I couldn't like tweet the other six-year-olds and be like, what are you guys thinking about Hook? But my sisters and I liked it, and my dad liked it. I really want to see but... what six-year-old Twitter looks like. Yeah. I don't. I can t- as a substitute teacher of young children, I can tell you assuredly, you do not, you do not at all stay away from them and their weird little minds. There's nothing there. I'm just going to say that. Sorry if you have a six-year-old. There's nothing there. No thoughts, just vibes. It's Yep, it's elevator music <laughs> and fart noises. And that's about it. I mean, I think you could say the same thing about me. Maybe. And the Jaws theme. Yeah. That's the title of the podcast-ish. <laughs> uh, so speaking of nostalgia blinders, Sarah, would you like to read tweets from a bunch of people who I don't think have seen Hook in decades? <laughs> I sure would. Uh, 
So uh, we've got at don't panic flip uh, who said uh, hook is a fave of mine, but I did I did find some negative ones as well because I was like I need we need some backup here MJ. Uh, <laughs> hook is a fave of mine, but the content feels weirdly inconsistent with the intended audience and theme. Uh, it's a ridiculously adult film dealing with tough themes around parents and parenting, but I remember seeing it at the theater and loving it despite missing so much. Um, I I. The themes of this, like, I think we talked about this right at the beginning, right? It's just not necessarily matching what the rest of yeah, it's there the at the beginning, is doing, so and then yeah, does not explore it well. Yeah, yeah, the inconsistencies, I can, I can fully agree with that. Uh, then we have uh, at OSW Podcast One who said uh, it is still an incredible and magical adventure, chock full of nostalgia and comedy, but it is a shockingly long movie. Yes, it is. Uh, oh, this was our fun fact. Robin Williams locked lips with five different women in the film. Moira, Tinkerbell, three mermaids. Nice. Um, I, just, <laughs> I enjoyed that as good a fact. Um, <laughs> good for him. Good for him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> remember, when dudes um, who, remember when dudes who look like Robin Williams could be romantic leads? Yeah, oh, like Rich Dreyfuss sitcoms. No, I mean weirdly like, hot wives. No, I don't mean that. But I mean like okay, like uh, when Harry met Sally, like Billy Crystal type dudes, right? Like you buy him as a romantic mm-hmm. lead in that movie. Oh, I straight up find him attractive in that movie because he's so charming. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. See, that's what I'm saying. But like nowadays, yeah. they would never cast someone like Billy Crystal in that role. Yeah. yeah. You, when was the last time that happened? Yeah. Jack Black in The Holiday. Mm. Yeah. Probably. I also unironically think Jack Black's kind of hot. So. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's charm and talent yeah, go along. Yeah, he's, with yeah, exactly. He's so charming that it's just like, oh yeah, you're like he's on. Is a guy who's comfortable in his own skin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He could have the most gorgeous wife in the world, and I'd be like, yep, absolutely, yeah. I see it. Makes sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> at Jay and Lincoln said it's too goddamn long. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> but Dustin Hoffman rules. I agree with that. I feel Mark like that sums both. up my faults. In one tweet. (laughs) Too long. (laughs) Dustin Hoffman rules. Um, At Cookie and Screen, this is all caps, by the way, an all time favorite. Uh, Yes. I know how much she loves loves that film. The next one is my husband at the movie. So you can imagine how fun it has been in uh, my house. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Are you guys going to have a West Side Story knife fight later? Yeah, potentially. Well, uh, I will. Once I've read his tweet, I'll say what happened when we're watching it today. Um, at the movie nerd SB, uh, <laughs> aka my husband, a childhood fave. It's considered a massive flop, but I still have so many wonderful childhood memories with this film. Yes. Uh, did Martin sit and watch this film with me? No, he did not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> after after like a whole day of being like, when are you going to watch Hook? I want to watch Hook with you. Tell me when you're going to watch Hook. And like we had, a, we were going out for lunch today with friends. So we had to like squeeze it in this morning before we went out. Um, he watched like 20 minutes of it. I was like, right, I'm going to take a shower now. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Big fan. <laughs> just peaced out. He was like, now nah, I've seen it before and I know I love it. So I don't need to rewatch it. I just wanted to see you watch it. I was like, wow. <laughs> Cold. He watched the best part <laughs> of the movie too and then did. Uh, oh, he's true. smart. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well done, Martin. Yeah. <laughs> I will say watching it back-to-back last night, uh, it d- doesn't lend itself to repeat viewings back-to-back. Some films do. I've done them before with other movies, and I was like, oh, crap, I didn't, like, notice that before. Mm-hmm. This was, like, I didn't notice that before, and it was sad and, <laughs> and bad. It made, me, it made me depressed. Five hours yeah. watching this Yeah. Wow. I, I'm telling you, I if you had asked me how long the runtime was, I would have said, like, an hour 45. Wow. I did not. It does not feel very long. I feel every second of that movie. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not even like a length person because like Lord of the Rings are some of my favorite Mm -hmm. films of all time and I will only watch the extended versions and it feels those also clip along, Mm -hmm. but they're also far better films. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. This felt like it was about four hours long, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, I know we, Sarah and I, and honestly, Mike and I on real perspective, we harp on the length (laughs) of a a film kind of a lot, but I do think, like, I really like The Irishman. The movie's three and a half hours long. The movie mm-hmm. goes by in a blink of an eye for me. Like, it's just, I mean, it's also yep. one of the best to ever do it made that movie. <laughs> like, it's, I don't think it's easy to make a really, really impressively, like, long movie feel breezy. Um, like, you yeah. have to know what you're doing. Also, I do want to say I had one tweet on my personal page from at Ali McDavis who said, uh, this movie is so dang good, a masterpiece, a cult classic, if you will. All the adult characters are hot. Also, Glenn Close and drag. Oh. <laughs> okay, I mean... can't argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's your opinion, but it's, yep. it's wrong. So, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> I just, masterpiece I... is very strong. Masterpiece <laughs> is very strong, especially when you're talking about the guy yeah. who Jurassic Park and Schindler's List two years later. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Masterpiece. This is not. Yeah. the The other thing too yeah. is like I like I I think we talked about this off mic. Like I knew that we were kind of stepping into some hot water in the fact that we do not enjoy this film, Sarah. I did not mm-hmm. realize how strongly people love this movie. I, yeah. People. I feel very vindicated. People love this movie. I did not realize it was like. <laughs> up there for people and like mention it in the same breath as et or jurassic park as a childhood like Mm -hmm. shaper Mm -hmm. i like i I did just did not realize that at all so like when you sent that tweet out and we started getting the responses we got i was just like oh no yeah (laughs) i was like some people like i was like surely some people are going to be like used to love it watched it recently Mm -hmm. realized it sucked and i was like cool we found our people yeah but Alas, uh, <laughs> it was you not the case. You guys are a tribe of two. Yeah. <laughs> it's just you guys. Yeah. We are a yeah. tribe of two. Steven Spielberg. <laughs> not Crippendorf's tribe of two. <laughs> that was, was that a 90s film? Mm-hmm. It feels yes. very 90s. Yes, of course it was. Truly. Yeah, it's the only period of time you could get away with making a movie like that. I mean, it was problematic at the time and even more so now. Yes. So I don't, <laughs> I don't think there's ever a good time for that film. But um, yeah, not good. Not good at all. Um, I should mention our patrons as well as we are wrapping things up, I think. Um, so, of course, uh, every episode we want to give thanks to our uh, patrons. And they are, <clears throat> I have to take a deep breath before I say the list. Uh, Jack, Cameron, Callum, Griff, Mike, Katie, Rachel, Andrew, Blake, Chris, Kerry, Eric, and Uncut Gems podcast. Thank you for your support. Missy, thank you for coming on and uh, talking about Hook with us. I yeah, of hope course. you didn't feel too attacked. Um, by no, I feel vindicated <laughs> that you guys are wrong and I'm two right. Two Hook haters. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> 
the world is on my side, so I feel okay about yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It, well, if everyone else was jumping off a hook bridge, would you also jump off a hook bridge? A thousand percent. Because I, I have childlike wonder, so I would fly and you guys would fall. So I feel good about that, too. No, I wouldn't. I feel very sad. That got dark. Sorry, guys. I don't wish you guys jumping off a hook bridge. I, I like hook, so I can fly. You don't like hook, so you would, and you can't. You would die if you jumped off a bridge. Is an insane You're an old mean pirate in this who doesn't podcast. believe in Lindsay. When are you having me on again so I can wish more? I, doom to I think you're coming off for Minority Report, which is a movie I like. So yes, it's so good. Um, yeah. Uh, do you have anything to plug besides wishing our deaths from a bridge? Just that. No. Um, I'm on another podcast called Real Perspective uh, with a co-host who happens to be one of your guys' co-hosts, uh, Sarah, who is now replacing MJ on Real Perspective. Uh, no, it's. Uh, fun film podcast we just released an episode on muppet christmas carol which is if you want to see what it looks like to have a good children's film aimed solely at children but with a lot of humor that works for adults uh watch them up at christmas carol um <laughs> but yeah it's yeah, you can find that anywhere podcasts are podcasted right yep yep uh yeah, so that's we also spent the first half of that episode talking about some of our favorite christmas films and uh exactly none of them are christmas related hell yeah <laughs> which is nice so if you want to hear me full-throatedly say that you should watch the movie silence during christmas time uh you can you can do that uh as someone who did that this year, you absolutely should watch that movie during christmas time um you can get in touch with us on social media on twitter and finstagram at jaws for a minute or you can email us at jaws for a minute at gmail.com that will become important very soon as this is the last episode of our spielberg season one we did it everyone the first 11 spielberg Yay. movies down um minus close encounters <laughs> and always um we will you be guys. back uh <laughs> on the 13th of january to talk about whatever we're going to talk about next and that's where you guys come in we are going to leave it to the uh lj fam fam to <laughs> determine uh what what our next season is going to be so follow us there um for the options we will post uh the polls on both social medias and um mm -hmm. there will be four options if you're a patron you get to help determine what the fourth option is so we sarah and i have decided what the first three options are going to be and then our patrons are going to decide what the fourth option is going to be and then we will do a poll with those four options and that will be our next uh season so if you would like to you know weigh the weigh the, the results to something you want to hear us talk about join our patreon uh page which is also patreon.com slash jaws for a minute um you can follow me on twitter and instagram at mjsmith891 same handle on both um you can follow sarah buttery at sarah buttery s-a-r-a-h-b-u-d-d-e-r-y um missy took care of the real perspective uh plug so i'm not going to do that um on the social for jaws for a minute you'll find a link tree which has links to buy merch uh you can buy our uh theme song um you can buy you can support uh our patreon from there and you can support our coffee page which is just a one-time financial donation um if you are a new donor to that you will be entered into a contest to win a piece of merch if you are a previous donor you're in the pool so congratulations and thank you um 
if you would. I'm wearing the shirt right now, by hey. the way. Not that you guys can see it. Nope. And nice. this is the worst medium possible <laughs> to do that, but uh, just so you know. Um, yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. I did not wear uh, our own merch to our own podcast record, um, though I have in the past. I do, I do, I do sometimes. Yeah, I, I'm not above <laughs> it. Another reason I'm taking over. Um, but if you would like to support the show at no extra cost, you can rate, review, and subscribe uh, on the podcatcher that you use. Um, we're on everything except Amazon, I think. So um, thank you guys so much. Thank you guys so much for another year of... Uh, of LJ fam. This is our second full calendar year of existing. Um, yeah. Sarah, thank you for finishing jaws and heading into whatever <laughs> this is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And keep, keeping it rolling. Um, so yeah, 2022 was a good year. If you want to see our metrics, you can check out our, our socials for our, our Spotify wrapped, uh, stats. And, uh, until the new year, it's jaws o'clock somewhere. <laughs>